Battle Line podcast. And uh, by the time you guys are hearing this, uh, it, Thanksgiving will have already happened. We're anticipating Thanksgiving. We're recording a week in advance. Yep. But hope you guys, the listeners, had a great one. And for those overseas who uh, downrange, you couldn't be with your family. Hope you're hanging in there. I know, you have, as you've said, oh, every yeah. Thanksgiving that we do this, that you've had plenty of Thanksgivings where you had to embrace the suck. And and honestly, I had some of the best Thanksgivings overseas. Not that I missed it, missed being home, but I, I, I remember one in Kandahar in 2008 where we did the turkey trot and one of my- And uh, do the pictures. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, actually, I'll post, I always post it for Thanksgiving, the preempt where we do the turkey trot. And one of my buddies, Joe, Joe Dirt, Joe Dirte from 10 Special Forces Group. His call sign was Dirte, called him Joe Dirt. But he made his own turkey suit out of cardboard boxes and he went and ran the turkey trot. And we fried up turkeys and ate like ate, we ate non bread. We ate uh, hummus, of course, hummus uh, everywhere. Um, uh, and we ate some baba ganoush and we had turkey. Nice. Dude. It was, it was, you just, it's, it's how you make it. And you're with family. You really are. You're downrange. You're with family. You're with your, your other family, but you're still with family. And everybody there is missing their family. But I think it brings them closer together. Christmas and Thanksgiving downrange, as much as you want to be home and you do, and it's, it's, you'd rather be home and, but those still it's surprisingly how much everybody still does come together when you're downrange uh and they can turn to very enjoyable very memorable experiences and i have a lot of memories from missing especially those two holidays there's just something about it when you're downrange and there's something about it when you're home too Ian, and you know that because you want to be home yeah. with your family but it's even even uh, memories guys that promise you you'll go through this first one this is your first one you'll be 20 years from now like i am being like wow that was really fun <laughs> so take a few pictures definitely take some pictures to remember them by uh, but you'll, you'll remember them forever they'll stick with you forever so absolutely uh well you guys are gonna love this podcast with sarah adams and before we uh you said sarah adams again you're gonna love this <laughs> podcast with sarah carter i i have slipped up with that so many times because we've only had so you know what it is like sarah and then the name of a president right it carter and adams Carter and Adams. Yeah. very easy so yeah you're gonna love this podcast with sarah carter uh, before we get over to Sarah, one of our longtime sponsors that many of you guys know, of course, is Bubs Naturals. They have their MCT oil powder. They have their apple cider Oops. vinegar gummies. But uh, their flagship product really is their collagen. And collagen is the most abundant protein in the human body. It is literally the glue that holds our bodies together. Collagen is a blend of highly functional amino acids found in all the body's connective tissue. So whether you're looking for something to recover from your workouts for your joints, for your muscles, or you're looking for a supplement for your skin, hair, and nails, collagen is where it's at. And the thing with them is they don't blend their different uh, sources together. It's just raw grass-fed cowhide. That's all that it is. And it really is something your body needs that you're not going to get in your diet. So between that, the MCT oil powder, the apple cider vinegar gummies, the fountain of youth formula, yeah. just really, uh, you know, between them and Ned, we get to work with our favorite supplement companies and, and they do really put out some great products i i think uh, by far the one of the best if not the best collagen no they are by far the best collagen company collagen supplement company out there and it does work i've been using that stuff for going over two years now and it has helped me helps with my hair growth still helps my nail growth helps me maintain it's a great after after workout drink too uh with the protein, the fountain of youth formula that got it back after that stuff is amazing. So be ready. You start taking that your hair, your nails are going to start growing again, it, especially if you're my, it's, it's, 
and and it works. I, and I do think it has helped me with with my injury, with my quadricep tear, my quadricep tendon tear, as far as recovery. I am way ahead of where my recovery should be based off uh, based off uh, my physical therapist and my and my doctor says where I'm supposed to be. And I, I think a lot of it is because I do push myself in physical therapy, but having a tremendous supplement and collagen, the collagen protein, I think has helped rebuild the stuff I damaged down there, the tendons and, and the ligaments that I damaged. So guys, it's tremendous. And again, they give back to Bubs and they gave a ton of money back to Bubs from this last uh, veteran. Yeah, Glenn Doherty. Yeah, Glenn Doherty to, to Glenn Doherty Foundation. So you're, you're also not only helping yourself, you're helping a tremendous foundation that they give back to. And, and uh, Bubs Naturals is best collagen protein supplement company out there by far. There's nothing even close. Yeah, so check them out, guys. BubsNaturals.com. If you go through us, you're going to get 20% yeah. off when you use the promo code BATTLELINE. That's exclusive to us. BubsNaturals.com. Use the promo code BATTLELINE. You'll get 20% off on all their great supplements. So check them out. Also, this episode, we are sponsored by our good friends at BeardVet, roasted in the heart of America, Omaha, Nebraska. Traditional and unique flavors in ground whole bean or grunt cups, K cups and beard kits as well. They have, they have uh, merchandise, they have hats, all different types of stuff. And they select a veterans charity every month to give back. Sean is a Marine, a DAV lifetime member and an equestrian helper. His wife, Amy is a trainer. So check them out. Beardvet.com. Yep. They are the best. We always say vet bro, bro vet coffee company out there. Uh, it has become my go-to coffee. It does. It's stuff you can taste. It's tremendous. The K cups are outstanding. And that's what I have when I put my bubs in. Bubs and bubs and team beer vet. So bubs natural team beer vet coffee. Uh, the pairing is the pairing is the best tasting out there. It's what I use. And I, you know, as far as coffee goes, I am a coffee connoisseur. So if I'm drinking crap, I'm going to tell you, and it's not. So it's support team beer vet and all their other ventures. But if you just want great coffee, get team beer vet coffee. And the K cups are outstanding, and they're growing. I can't believe how how fast they're growing. They're so. They wouldn't be growing if they weren't good at what they do. And that's just a testament to them and their products. Yeah. And that's our exclusive coffee sponsor of this show. Yep. Check them out on Twitter at beard underscore vet. They have a huge following on there and they retweet our stuff out all the time on Instagram at team beard vet. And if you want to check out their coffee, their great merchandise, their beard oil, it's just beardvet.com. Use the promo code Tonto, T-A-N-T-O, and you're going to get 10% off. They also have subscriptions. If you want to have the coffee coming to you every month yeah. or so, they take care of you with that. So beardvet.com, promo code Tonto. With that, you guys are going to love this interview with Sarah Carter. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dead for a long time. <laughs> You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast.
The Switch is on Battleline Podcast, and someone we've been meaning to have on actually for a really long time now is Sarah Carter. I would really say when Gary Brugman was pardoned and your friendship with him. And then yeah. before we even recorded, uh, I, I, we had the interview with Sarah Carter, which I feel like really broke some news on Benghazi. Wait, Sarah, no, no, Sarah, Sarah Adams. Come on. There's with two Sarah Adams. Come I'm, on, I'm man. We're which, two Sarahs. It's okay. I, I, I keep mixing it. up the names. But yeah. With Sarah Adams, which broke some news on Benghazi, and I feel like, you know, it's stuff that Chris didn't even know, and it didn't get as much attention at first as I would have expected, but you, with your following, retweeted it out, and, I mean, you have a massive following, so we really appreciated that, and also just with your husband and all the other work you've done, it's uh, it's long overdue, so it's definitely an honor to have you on. Oh, man. Come on, Scotto and Chris. You guys are like amazing. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you're my heroes. What are you talking about? I always say that to Marty, too, to my husband. You know, you got all of you guys are out there fighting the good fight. You know, I mean, I covered uh, the war and uh, I know like the the horrors and the good times and the bad times and all the things that, you know, are amplified when you're living through a situation sure. like that. And uh I just think it's brilliant that you brought Sarah Adams on the show, that she was able to get the the information out there that she's fighting the fight still. Still. I'm, yeah. yeah, still fighting the fight. I mean, and I so I I thank you for having me on your show. Are you kidding me? Um, I'm I'm the one that's ha- I, we have so much to talk about too. I mean, there are little things and big things, by the way. <laughs> well, first of all, let's get into the all right. We were talking about this before we got on the show about how. In the war zone, I, I guys, some you can't even tell. Sometimes I dip on the show. We haven't video on this one yet. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. We have so we have Rob so I, now from I, MLB Network okay, doing guys. our video. And, and I'm not. To, I, I don't come. I don't condone chewing, but I, I dip every once in a while. But I'm not condoning it. It's to say it can mess up your gum. But downrange, there'd be people that we'd have spit bottles everywhere, or you'd Uh-oh. be drinking like in Cabo. We had the Talabar that at the Ariana there at the at, and people drinking beer and things and or and. Sarah, we mentioned, well, I hate that time when I grab and I drink somebody's spit thinking I was drinking my drink. Yes. And she says, yeah, I mean, it's a terrible accident. And I just want to tell her, uh, yeah, that was Jack. That wasn't always an accident. We would want right. to fuck with you. Like, who is this? This news court? Who is this person in this book? Fuck with their shit. Yeah, fuck with their drink. And <laughs> and we would switch ball. And then she would. Well, it wasn't always it, Sarah. Yeah, I didn't it wasn't do it always. You, yeah, no, it wasn't. You didn't do it to me. Full disclaimer. No. You I are would've, free because I would have, I would have, I, I would have like literally found a way to kick your ass. <laughs> there would be something that I would have, you would have gotten a repercussions for that big time. And you talk about the Ariana hotel, which is so famous, like in our circles, because yeah. that was like, you know, that was CIA. That was CIA. Well, that, hotel. And that's like ground zero. That was I ground mean, zero. We're, we're, we're shit in Kabul. I mean, we're, I mean, shit start aside from being out in the provinces uh, right, with Mark, right. Mark with Mark Nutch with the horse guys and you know being out with the Imaza right. Sharif, but in Kabul, the Ariana, that was that Karzai's compound was right across the street. The Ariana, right. I mean, that was that's where the shit started. That's yeah, right. So, well, what yeah. about the Gandamac? Because okay, let, let me ask you this question because I'm gonna ask you guys a question <laughs> right off the top. That's how you bring questioners into all question each other. It's like we're having those big question fests, right? But like you talked about Ariana, remember the Gandamac? Oh yeah, yeah. I remember like the bar, the underground bar, and like that was so freaking cool. I remember. Right, for, remember. Uh, it, it was. It reminded. It reminded me of like a, a, a if you were gonna have a speakeasy in the in the old I, I the old 
what I'm trying to think the old Camelot did the old medieval. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the wooden doors and you didn't know it was there. You drove it. I remember. Right. I can't believe you remember that. That was so I do. Cool. I remember that. Do you know, I met the weirdest people there. <laughs> Scott, oh, the weirdest people. Like I remember the last time I was there and it was just jam packed and it was like spies and bad guys <laughs> and good guys <laughs> and prostitutes and more spies and right and you're like you don't even know like what's who's so i'm sitting next to this guy i will not mention his name because there were all these rumors about this guy like and there would be rumors about weird things like oh this guy's got some really weird sexual thing going on with you know things that we can't talk about and then that's why he's there and you know he's trying to find this or that and i remember this guy walked up to me and he was a big german or a yeah, it was German, a big German dude. And he walks up to me and he's like, you are, you are Russian. And I said, no, I'm not Russian. <laughs> I'm like a journalist from the United States. And he was like, no, I'm sure you're Russian. You're a Russian spy. And I was like, who is that? Like, who are these people? Did that, did that then, New York accent give you away for being yeah, a Russian no, and spy? Then, yeah, yeah, right. That's right. And then, I tur- and then I turn around and I, I look at the guy next to <laughs> me. Who is this guy? And you know what he said? Oh, that's the guy that runs the sausage factory. In town. <laughs> yeah, I, and just... and the and the brothel. He said he was a it was a sausage factory and a brothel. Was the brothel was... called the sausage factory? I mean, it could. Bit, I mean, it could there was a way. brothel in Kabul. <laughs> there are plenty of brothels actually, in Kabul. Yeah, yeah, that that also made sausages. Wouldn't you be scared of that guy? I wouldn't yes. trust a sausage coming out of that factory. Well, this there's is so actually, many, uh, bro. There are so many different ways I could take this. This is so fucking easy for a ranger. <laughs> I, do we want to go? Stop it, that's, stop that's, it, that's, Chris. So we're gonna get, we're gonna get, we're gonna get suspended. His show's you're, gonna you're, get a big YouTube. Yeah. But st- what she talking about? That was one of the coolest places. The first time I went in, I remember driving in. These gates open and I didn't know what it was. It was a brand new cherry to the agency driving in, uh-huh. but it was, it, it was, it was super cool. I was like, I want to get a steak in this place and just hang out and drink. Cause there were, there, right. I, I, there were more white women in that. I, there were more white women in that I've ever seen <laughs> in Afghanistan. Like, well, now I know where all the white women are at in this freaking they were, country. They're right they here. Were, they were all <laughs> hanging out at the Gandamax. That's they, what was going on. But they it were was all Russians. It was they were all Russian spies. I'm just going to tell you. They were yeah. all from Russia. I think this should be a good point, though, to, to actually like rewind into your career here, because, uh, you yeah. know, people know you from Fox News. They know you from your podcast, The Sarah Carter Show. But Sarah, I I, I keep thinking Sarah Adams. It's going to happen again. I already know. It's Sarah okay. Carter Show, because we were talking about Sarah Adams. But um, yeah, I, I, I would like to know, and I think the audience would really be interested in how did you go into war reporting and reporting on things at the border? Because it's a really unconventional path i think as opposed to just doing local tv news and actually being in war zones that chris has been in right so i never really ever believed i I never had the ambition to be a tv you know reporter that was never anything like in my lexicon like i never thought of that i i covered i was a, a print reporter in los angeles i I remember I, I started a little bit late in my career because I graduated later. I'd already had a, a family. A lot of people don't know that. And um, I decided to become a reporter mainly because when I graduated, uh, one of the professors I had said, you know, I graduated from Cal Poly Pomona said, oh, you can't go into anything else but reporting. 
you know, cause I had done some work, written some stories. So I ended up at the daily bulletin. I started covering basically the gangs in our neighborhood in LA. Uh, we had a lot of issues with, um, you know, Latino gangs, African-American gangs, white gangs. I mean, you name it. Pomona, Los Angeles was inundated with gangs and uh, a lot of children lost their lives. And the very first big story, because I'm fast forwarding through a lot of different things that happened, was a killing of a police officer in Irwindale, California. And I was a young reporter. I was working at the Daily Bulletin. This police officer had gone in for a traffic ticket. And a 15-year-old kid had stolen his grandfather's car and his grandfather's gun in Pomona, had driven down to the Pomona courthouse early in the morning, stepped out of his vehicle, and assassinated this cop point blank on the steps of the Pomona courthouse. And the reason I bring up that story is because at that moment when we all found out about it and I... I was assigned the story. I went out to find this kid's family. The kid was on the run. The cops were looking for him. I stumbled on one of the most important stories I believed in my career at that time. And I still look back on it as one of the most important stories. Children in our community were killing each other. It was a war zone. And the drug cartels were moving. I can't even tell you how many tens of millions of dollars in narcotics into our communities. Uh, Weapons were flowing back and forth into Mexico from our communities. And the children that were in the high school were not only working for the cartels in some of these cases, but were actually, you know, um, were actually part of that, like kind of like this bizarre kind of, uh, I would say a war zone kind of situation in our own lives here in America. I mean, it was, it was like, a separate nation within a nation. And most of us, most Americans never paid attention to that. So I I spent six months investigating that. I broke a whole series of stories called Jamie's Story. Um, I found a girl that was connected actually to Laeme. Her family was part of the Mexican mafia. She happened to be friends with this young kid named Yogi who killed the officer. I discovered that the students that were going to school there at that time, it was Gary High School, uh, were being neglected. Their bathrooms were full of, sh- literally full of shit. Wow. Yeah. Like they were not being cleaned. The kids were raising themselves on the street. Teachers didn't care about them. Um, those stories, I, I broke all of that. It was awesome series of stories because it ended up <clears throat> to the dismissal of the entire school board. They replaced the superintendent. Um, the, the situation changed for a lot of kids at that time because of these series of stories. Yogi obviously was captured. He was sentenced to spend the rest of his life in prison. Um, and he was also part of that tragedy. I realized that Yogi had made it all the way to his junior year of high school, almost his junior year. He was 15 at the time when he killed the cop, but he couldn't even read a Jack in the box menu. Wow. So I don't even know how he got that far. And, you know, um, so anyways, that led me to the border. Cause I begged my editor. I said, you know what, we got to find out like who's bringing these narcotics into our community? Who, why is this happening? Where can I go to the border? And he set me free. My editor set me free. I went to the border. I started breaking a ton of stories on the U S Mexico border. I spent time in Tijuana. I spent time, uh, in, uh, Mexico all along the Texas U S Mexico border for years. I was breaking stories on the underground tunnels, 
um, talking to U.S. Intel. What, what uh, year was this again, sir? What year was this? Oh, God, I was going all the way back to 2004, okay. 2003, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2006. I was mm-hmm. on the border when I think that was when Vincente Fox was president. And there was like massive wars between Sinaloa uh, oh, yeah, yeah. cartel and Los Zetas. And I went into Nuevo Laredo um, with sources and I would pull the stories out of there. And I was terrified every time I went into Sasa Bay. I, I covered the stories from the ground. So I started breaking all these stories. And then Jerry Sieper, who was working with the Washington Times, called me up one day on the phone. And from I was working in California. He called me up and he said, Sarah Carter, could you give an old guy a break? And God rest his soul. Jerry just died not too long ago. About a month ago, um, he was retired and living in Alabama. And uh, he said, could you give an old guy a break, though? I never forgot that. I go, who is this guy? Like, <laughs> the Wa- I didn't even know the Washington Times or anything. I was just, you know, who's this old guy? And uh, he said, you know, if, eventually we kept talking and he said, you know what? I'd love for you to come down to Washington, D.C. and meet my editors. And uh, he said, if you promise me to take a break from the border and let me do my job, I promise you, you'll probably get a job at the Washington Times. And I said, well, the only way I'm going to get a job at the Washington Times is if they give me a Pentagon correspondent job. Because at the time I had, I had already written a lot of stories and I took some heat for it, but a lot of people have followed up on that now. And I broke these stories a long time ago but it was the nexus between the drug cartels and the terrorist organizations that I was most concerned with. And, you know, Washington was like, where's Sarah getting this information? I was breaking all these stories on United States citizenship and immigration services. It almost sounds like you were doing like what Project Veritas is doing like prior (laughs) to Project Veritas. Kind of, but without the, like, I got you cameras, it was more like, Groundwork. I would say I was doing, I was an intelligence collector, right? I well, go to well, Mexico and well, I. Well, that's what I was asked because people don't realize GRS, we were, we, we were down. That's, we were down there. We were working, they didn't see, we were working in Mexico in between going to Iraq and Afghanistan. There was a lot of that shit that was going on with the smuggling, not of drugs, but of terrorists using. Right. The, in fact, Jack Silva, my buddy, before he came to Benghazi, he had just left Mexico to come over and. Go go into that. The reason I'm saying that is because the Intel stuff, I get, people don't realize GRS, we were down there doing stuff there in Colombia and El Salvador, San Salvador, and then Mexico, because there was a lot of that going on. I know people think that's conspiracy. That's not. That's the cartel smuggling terrorists through the country. Act of Valor, that movie, it's honestly, it's, it's, their acting's terrible. But the seals in, they did a good, and that that actually were missions that were going on at that point in time. That's why I asked the years as well, because that's I remember that. I remember that right, right. And so, but they came after me, and I remember this. You know, like in Washington, um, you know, they would say, "Oh, it's alarmist." You know, this is where we could bring in Bill O'Reilly, because Bill O'Reilly. That's when I started doing television and stuff, because he was like, "Who is this girl that's going in and out of Mexico and bringing all these stories?" Oh, here's a funny story. One of the sheriffs, I think I was new with Sheriff Flores, but he was in Laredo, Texas, and I remember his deputy too. I can see his face right now, but I came back across the border from Nuevo Laredo, and I got to tell you, I was scared shitless. I mean, that really is probably the scariest place you can be, because if I'm gone, I'm gone. And I know it's kind of like ISIS. You're not going to get a second chance, right? They're not going to like try to trade you to the U S they're not going to be like thinking about like, well, maybe we could get somebody back. They're just like, you're dead. You're done. 
So I was terrified every time I went in there, but I'd come back. This is funny. I, I can say things on your show that I can't say. Oh well, yeah, unless you, you can cut it out. I don't know. If oh, you, cut you it can out. say whatever you want. If, yeah. if you want us so to like, cut set out, we'll cut it out. If not, no, no. We're, we're putting no, it. No, just in. let no, it. Just let it. Just leave it. So I remember. <laughs> um, I walked in and I had just. I mean, I was just sweating. And there was a source I had. I called him Paco, and he was terrified too. He eventually ended up in the United States because the, the, he was being targeted by the cartels. And we really thought that day that we were going to die. We really did. He really thought this is it. We're caught because we had some guys behind us in motorcycles following us around. And, <laughs> you know, I don't even know how we made it out. So, what one of the deputies said, you know, I'm glad Sarah, this is like such a Texas thing. It actually made me want to move to Texas because I thought they're so non-PC here. It's like awesome. It's like, I'm so glad Sarah doesn't wear a miniskirt because if she'd bend over, we'd see her balls. And I was like, did, did a sheriff yeah. actually just say that to me? That is yeah, just huevos so awesome. Grand, a huevos grandes. Huevos grandes, sir. Right? Huevos grandes, But I don't Hell because yeah. I was really scared. I mean, I was scared out of my mind, you know, because all I kept thinking of is they'll feed me to the, you know, they'll get me. There's all kinds of horrible things that happen. They catch you up. your ass up and feed you to different animals. To pigs. The- I was just uh, thinking yeah. of that because that's what happens. That's how deadly and dangerous that border is. And so that's what led me, you know, Chris, to like working with, you know, talking to Intel guys, talking to people on the ground that were talking about this very dangerous nexus. This is post September 11. And I eventually came to the Washington Times. And like you asked, Scotto, I ended up, you know, negotiating that deal to get you know, not the money. I didn't get any of the money. They were like, oh, we'll send you to Afghanistan. But I was so freaking underpaid as a reporter. Sorry, Washington <laughs> Times, but you guys were like, that was a joke. You know, I was like in the war zone and I was like barely making my bills, you know? And, um, but I went to Afghanistan mainly and to Iraq and stuff because I really truly believe not only did I understand the mind, like to some extent, the mindset of these extremists, but I wanted to bring those stories back to the United States. And uh, I wanted to investigate those angles and, and really tell the stories. And once I got there, it was this, it was about our troops. It was about the people that put their lives on the line every single day, the young soldiers that lost their lives, uh, the people that like you, Chris, that work in the shadows that are doing everything to protect our country, you know, uh, from, from those people that want to do us severe harm. And so Sarah Adams was just awesome. I, I got a chance to interview her too. And she's right. We are under serious threat right now and nobody's paying attention, let alone our government. And I don't think if, I think if we don't speak up and start pushing the truth out there, you know, Scott Chris, we're going to be, we're going to see a worse attack than even September 11th in our own country. Well, I, and- I just think it just sometimes America, we become so complacent. We do. We, we our country's still the greatest country by far, by, I mean, not even close. This is such a wonderful right. place. And it does take us because we are so reactive now because of all the, the smoke and mirrors that are out there with the TikToks and Instagrams and all that, that stuff that people can watch. We don't have to pay attention to what's really going on. Ignorance is truly bliss. Believe me that it takes a, an attack for us to, it always does. Pearl Harbor, 9-11. It takes something massive for us. Oh, okay. We got to get our shit together because we totally are missing that. And I hate to say it, but Sarah, it, it's it's probably going to happen. And that's when we'll realize, okay, we need to start paying attention to this again. But we are never proactive on it. Just like Sarah. Sarah 
Sarah is doing on her own, not with the government help, on her own to track down these terrorists on her own. That's how awesome Sarah Adams is. That's the best target I ever worked with. But she'll even tell you, I'm sure she would say the same. It's going to take a massive attack for us to be like, okay, damn it, we should have listened. Let's go fix it now. And then, but by then, by then it's, you know, it's already, the tax's done. The massive. You want to know something though? That's unacceptable to me anymore. It is unacceptable. It it is unacceptable because what if it's us? What if it's our children? What if it's our Mm -hmm. friends? What if it's our family walking through a mall one day or hanging out at a park or at a concert and, you know, to have these guys in Washington in these suits with their lip service, talking about having another fucking 9-11 commission or, you know, another, I, I, it's unacceptable to me. We lost too many people. We know too much. And I'm sick and tired of the Washington establishment, you know, acting like they didn't know it was going to happen when they actually have allowed it to happen. Exactly. How do you, you've been up in the Pentagon. I know my, my views of being behind the scenes within the agency and state department. Is it just because, and I, I'm sure I'm preaching the choir here with all our listeners because they're so removed from it because they're protected because they're, it's not going to affect them that they just don't address it. Is that what you're still seeing? Even after all these years, is it still world? Well, I'm fine. I've got my protection guys out there. It's not going to hit me. It may hit the general public, but I'll be fine. Is that why they don't want to continue to address it or, or take it, be proactive? Why we're being reactive? Why we're not, we're not taking the fight to whoever we need to take the fight to anymore. In fact, I don't even know who to take the fight to anymore, to be honest with right. you. I have no clue. No clue. Right. Well, you know what I think it is? You know what I really believe it is? After all these years, trying to figure that out, because I had that same question. Every time I do it, I'd be like, why? Why, why are they yeah. doing this? Like, who would do this shit and allow their country to be exposed to this? So this is, this is my theory and it's only a theory, right? They all know they fucked up. They all know our lives are on the line. So they all want plausible deniability instead of being active and take and being proactive. You could take them, Chris, a document that says, Mm -hmm. look, I know for certain there's this guy and his name is this. And he's set up in Mexico city and he's got these five guys. And they're, they're like, could you please remove that report from my desk? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What? But this guy wants to get, Oh, I heard something. I have dogs. So I don't know what was going <laughs> well, on. I thought there. somebody was coming in your house. I was, yeah, I me was, too. Hey. I'm like, wait a minute. I heard something. It's my other dog outside. So now my, my chihuahua and my little uh, sheep who they're going to like have at it. So it's going to be like a battle <laughs> in my home right now. Um, so I really think it's like, I always call it plausible, you know, some kind of plausible deniability, plausible deniability. Yeah. so it's that they win, so that they get up in front of a bunch of people and they say to the, you know, everyone like, oh, we had no idea. We need to have a commission on this. I say, you know what? We, right. Am I right? Yeah. Every time right? it's, it's the, a job. It's almost like it's job security for politicians. If we're proactive right? and nothing ever happens. Well, then we're not, how can we show the world that we're doing our jobs? Let's let something happen. And then we can show people that we're actually doing our jobs. Right. For, it's the exact opposite. You're not doing, they're not doing their jobs at all. Or, or, or they, or they're so scared that something is going to happen because they haven't done shit because they're just yeah. so worried about lining their own pockets and helping their families line their pockets. And the whole job is about them and not us yeah. that 
they know that something's going to happen because look at the border. Are you telling me, like, if I was a terrorist, that would be like, wow, I would be like Shangri-La. I can get, I can just cross it. I can get, I can grab a burrito and a taco on my way across. I can just eat like the best food ever on my way across the border. And they are going to transport me to the city of my dreams. As long as I don't have my ID on me, I can just, I see it. I watch 1700 people cross the border and I'm like, welcome to America in Spanish. Bienvenidos a America. And they're like, woohoo. It's not even embarrassing anymore. It's like, they're just like, hi, they're waving at our border patrol. They're turning themselves in. Well, speaking of that, I I wanted to make sure that we get into this. I do feel like, you know, from when, when I got to meet Gary Brugman, who Chris has known for a long time and he came on our podcast and was really trying to get a pardon. I mean, it was interesting to me because we were just getting this podcast set up. And in my mind, I was like, this is never going to happen because I don't think it's going to benefit any politician. And really, you are one of the main people, just from what I know from Gary, behind the scenes, working to get him a pardon because you have that influence there. Um, so it'd be interesting to hear about your your friendship with Gary, where it started, hearing his story and what you did behind the scenes to get yeah. him pardoned. Because uh, his story definitely resonates with our audience. They, they know about what he did at the border protecting us and um, the fact that he had to go to prison, the fact, fact that he'd be a felon up until a few years ago and like it was finally a happy ending for him. Yeah, Gary is amazing. I mean, what he had been through. So Gary and I became friends actually around 2006. And I had written a story about Gary. Um, oh, well, I'm sorry, not about Gary at that time, but about Ramos and Compeon, oh, yeah. who were the two border patrol agents. Like nobody had heard of them. And I was covering the border and I saw this story kind of buried in the El Paso Times about these uh, border patrol agents that had actually been convicted for shooting a, uh, at that time, it was just very basic for shooting a drug dealer that came across the border and basically ran back into Mexico and there was an altercation. I couldn't believe that these agents were being charged and I wanna hear their side of the story. Like what happened? You know, this person apparently did not get harmed but was still alive. So why were they bringing up these charges against them? And then eventually they were sentenced to 12 and 13 years. Um, and I started to see a pattern. I ended up getting, you know, their trust, getting their trust, Nacho, uh, and Jose Compeon. I wrote a big series of stories that got the attention of people in Washington, DC. This is when I was still at the daily bulletin and, uh, Congressman, uh, Dana Rohrabacher actually picked up the story, became a big challenge for him. Tara Setmayer, who worked with him then also adopted that story and uh, took it upon yeah, as I, I interviewed her at that time. I remember, I mean, it's you did. Kind of funny okay, yeah. People know Tara Setmayer is like the MSNBC woman now, but she was very pro border enforcement at that time. Right. So weird. Yeah. So weird. She has totally done a role reversal and we could go yeah. into that another time, I'm sure. But, but back then, and I'm going to give credit where credit is due. She actually helped me and we became really good friends at that time. And she was able to push the, you know, the story forward with Dana Rohrbacher. Um, and that's when I met Gary. And I found out that years earlier that Gary had been imprisoned for two years in Yazoo, Mississippi state penitentiary for basically putting his knee on a guy and keeping him down that had tried to escape. And I saw this pattern developing of us prosecuting, us being the United States, and in particular, Johnny Sutton, 
who was working at that time at the Southern District of Texas, prosecuting U.S. law enforcement who were just trying to do their job. So when I do this, when I cover the, the border, even now, when I talk about border issues, this isn't just based on what I do right now. I've been doing this for like almost 20 years. I've been looking at this border for almost 20 years and Gary and I have been friends since that time. And I have always believed in Gary's innocence. He is an amazing human being. You know, a bad guy is always a bad guy, right? I mean, if you're bad, then you're going to get arrested afterwards, even more so because you're pissed. You're going to end up like doing something. You're going to, you know, you're a violent human being. Gary was the kind of guy that like, All he ever thought about was his friends. He, you know, is a good heart. He took care of his mother, you know, and she died recently and spent all that time with her. And, you know, he's just a good hearted human being who fought every single day, not only to regain his name back and his honor, but he fought every, he fights every single day for everyone else in law enforcement, even though it was all taken from him, even though some people dragged him down He didn't care. He kept fighting for law enforcement, for our country, for our military. He stood up, did the right thing. So I was just a part of a lot of people that worked hard to try to get what Gary deserved, which was a pardon from the president of the United States, President Donald Trump, thank God, you know, and uh, he also pardoned. Nacho Ramos and Jose Compeyan, they uh, actually were, their sentences were commuted when I wrote the stories. I spent two years actually covering their story um, and uh, their sentences were commuted right before George Bush left office, Um, but but they weren't pardoned. Um, And before President Trump left office, he did the most amazing, valiant thing Um, when he pardoned Gary and pardoned Jose and um, Nacho. And remember, they also, uh, Jose and Nacho also spent time in prison Mm -hmm. um, because it wasn't until their sentences were commuted that they were actually released from prison. And uh, Ed Hindy was a huge part of that. He, at the time, you know, had a, he has a great restaurant out here in Houston, um, the Taste of Texas, a steakhouse. Um, but he had a radio show and he's a great man, great Christian, God-fearing guy, really great friends with Gary still to this day. They're, they're annoying how best friends they are. (laughs) They're like on the phone in the morning and, you know, they're, they're calling each other names and, you know, making fun of each other and, you know, all that fun stuff that guys do. And, you know, and Gary and I have always been friends because, you know, this isn't just about stories for me. This is about human beings. I, I maybe just take it too far, but uh, there are people in my life that I've run into and I feel so blessed and they've stayed a part of my life because these are, these are real people. These aren't people that aren't out just for themselves. They friendships mean something, you know, Yeah. brother and sisterhood means something. Um, they're willing to put everything out on the line. That's why I married a special operator. Hope you guys are enjoying this episode with Sarah Carter. Really a pleasure to have her on. She was completely candid. She was not, she was the opposite, as I say later in the show, of like a stiff news person. That was not what this no. interview was by any means. I think people might see the title and they're like, Fox News. It's probably just going to be someone, you know, giving their political <laughs> opinions, giving talking points. And that was not at all not what this at all. was. 
So uh, I hope you're enjoying it. We hope you're enjoying it. And uh, as we said, you know, off of this Thanksgiving Day weekend and Thanksgiving Day. But uh, we have some great sponsors who keep us going, as you know. And from the very beginning, we've been working with Fort Scott Munitions. Fort Scott is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels. There you go, right there. Uh, they're not going to see it, though, because it didn't pan to you. You want you want to say something? Oh, crap. Hey, I forgot. Oh, I'm just an idiot when it comes to this. this uh, is it pan to me yet? Yeah, you yeah, you're All good right, now. We're we good. Might, we're we good. might switch over, like I said, soon to something other than Zoom. I kind of like the panning, but we'll, we'll see. But anyway... Um, yeah, this leaves devastating wound channels, as I said, for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. Originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design, it was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Now, Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout retailers in all 50 yeah. states. But you're going to get a discount with us when you go to fsm.com and you use the promo code BATTLELINE. You'll get 15% off. That's fsm.com. Only available to listeners of the BATTLELINE podcast. Use the promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the BATTLELINE podcast. I cannot wait to be out there next month with you guys. Oh, yeah, we got it. We got a full class coming up. It might be a little cold, but we're going to have a lot of fun out there. Hey, guys, if you, if you don't believe and don't want to take my word for the effectiveness and how well that ammo works, uh, FSM has their own YouTube channel. Go, the, You can see videos. You can see the gel shoots they use when they shoot it, so you can actually see how that tumble up on impact works and how devastating it is. And if you're a hunter... Yeah, if, if you want to knock that prey down, you don't have to chase it. Use Fort Scott Munitions and Home Defense, best home defense ammo out there. And also it's lead free, which I think is a huge deal. And those of us that are gun owners need to be responsible for the range. Switching to lead free ammo um, does. It, it does. It does help maintain the environment. And as much as people like to say we don't like the environment, we love the environment because we're always out there. So I think that's a big plus as well, having lead free ammo. Absolutely. And this show is also sponsored by our friends at Pamax Tactical. Pamax Tactical Inc. is a law enforcement owned and operated company that manufactures a wide variety of products for the AR platform and an industry leader in the field of alternative breaching tools like their Lion device. The Lion is a safer, reloadable, non-regulated alternative to the use of flashbangs, an impact actuated handheld device that boosts that boasts 180 decibel output. It is available in civilian and law enforcement configurations. This is something you've used for training yeah. for classes, and uh, they do a great job. I mean, this is really something new on the market that other people are not doing. Well, it's innovative, and the biggest thing is cost-effective. So with you law enforcement guys, for you and military that need, because we use flashbangs in training scenarios, we have to, especially when we do room clearing, it can get expensive, and you can get a have to carry a lot of flashbangs with your individual, which with these, you don't need that because you, you've got reloadable cartridges. So you may pay a little bit at the beginning to get the actual holder, but in the end, it is very cost-effective. So if you're law enforcement or military and you are doing room clearing exercises, you're using flashbangs, get these Paymax tactical. This is what you need. And you're going to save money in the long run. And they work better, to be honest with you. And they're safer uh, because they, they're they very hard to ignite uh, as far as accidentally. Where flashbangs, you can get a little dicey, especially if you pack those things in a, in, a, uh, in, a, in a backpack or something like that. So Paymax tactical, 
be cost effective. It works. And it's the best flashbang training device out there. Absolutely. So if you're looking for something special as the holiday season approaches, definitely check out some of Pamax Tactical's other proprietary products, including custom firearms and accessories like the Hades hybrid muzzle device available in various hunting calibers, including the 350 Legend, or you can spice up your build with over two dozen variations, beautifully colored, accented, accented X-Slick AR-15 bolt carrier groups, ideal for those building custom firearms trying to capture the Instagram views or simply making a special gift for someone special. As usual, Pamex tactical products are proudly made in the USA. Very important. Yeah. I know to this audience, USA made, and they're backed by a lifetime warranty. So go to pmtactical.com, use the discount code Tonto, T-A-N-T-O. You're going to get 15% off. That's pmtactical.com, promo code Tonto, 15% off. They've got so much. They've got such a variety of stuff on there. A lot of stuff does sell out quickly. I mean, I look yeah. on there. So go there now. It's uh, at pmtactical.com, promo code Tonto, and you'll see what's in stock for 15% off. With that, let's get back to our interview with Sarah Carter. I know you're not looking to take credit for what happened to Gary and, and Boast or anything, and that's not how you are, but I'm per I'm just wondering, did you personally get to have a conversation or put something on President Trump's desk and say, you need to look at this? Well, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Did you? Have, I, I want to get. Did, did you have a I'll specific a I knockdown drag out with anybody that said, hey, fucking look at this shit. What the or, or was oh, it there was somebody that did that that was very close to the president. I don't okay. want to say their name. Um, but there was somebody that did that, that said you absolutely, and maybe Gary will one day say it, maybe we'll get permission to what, but that's somebody that did that. I did everything I can and everything I could <laughs> at the time, um, to get that in front of the president's, uh, face to get his story there. Um, I, president Trump is awesome. He's done my podcast a number of times. He is to me, a great human being, a good human being. He was the only president that I ever knew that followed through, that followed through with um, what needed to be done at the border, what we needed to do in our country. He was always willing to stand up for that. Um, and he stood up for Gary when he saw a story. So I did a podcast with Gary. I tweeted it at the president. I contacted people and said, yeah, don't listen to this podcast. He needs to get this guy out, you know? Um, and and I, and, you know, and that was part of what, and we had all done that, you know, for a very long time, but we realized that under president Trump, that was probably going to be the only opportunity Gary would have. Yeah. yeah. Biden wasn't going to pardon Gary. Biden's like defund Gary, <laughs> put him back, lock them all up. Like Kamala Harris just wants to put them all in prison. Like put all of our law enforcement in prison, let all the bad guys out. Like, I feel that's like a Democrat move, you know, but, um, you know, people like Gary, uh, look, there's always, sure, are there bad apples? Yeah, like in anything, like in anything in life. But I've never, the, some of the greatest people I've met in my life are men and women in uniform, whether that's out in, you know, the war zones or here on the front lines of the border or inside our cities, you know, they are taking risks every single day. I was out on a uh, right last week with uh, Texas DPS Department of Public Safety, and we were out on an operation. And uh, I'm with the guys, and you know they're pulling over vehicles. This operation was 90 miles inland 
from the border and it's the runners, the gotaways, right? Sure. The people that do not want to be caught. So I'm sure you both can imagine this. What does it feel like? You know, we're in the truck and they're getting out and they're pulling over a vehicle and they don't know who's in that vehicle. You know, I got Lieutenant Chris Olivares with me and Lupe's with us, Sergeant Lupe. And, and, you know, we're heading over, you know, they're heading over to the car and my heart's racing because I'm thinking like, I know that everything's good till it's not good anymore. Right. So like anything could happen, like they could either speed off or a guy could come out with a gun or they could run. I mean, anything can happen. So, you know, I, those sacrifices mean something. And when you have an administration like this administration that does not give a shit about the sacrifices being made by our men and women, not really. Yeah. And they don't care. And they fundamentally have this ideology that is just opposite of what like we're like the way I was raised and the way we're all raised, like put your, put your life ahead of, I mean, put others' lives ahead of your own. Sure. Sure. That's pretty, it's pretty hard. I I don't think people get, and and what with Gary's story, because, you know, I, I didn't really get to know Gary till till after I got came to a shooting course what I did a few years ago. But uh-huh. um, when I started to get to know him is that the, the amount of restraint that goes in and, and there are, I've worked with guys that didn't have that restraint. There are some that right. didn't. And I, but the, one, the amount of restraint that you have to have when you're walking up on that scenario that you can't just, you, you know, where they're not going in there just to shoot somebody or to kill anybody. They've got a whole back and they only take it to that extreme if it's necessary. And with right. Gary's thing was just with, 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 and usually it's because they're reacting. They're being, they're being, cause they have to be law enforcement really has to be reactive more than proactive because they have to get shot at first or else you see what right. happens. They're going to, they're, they're going to get charged. Some, some scumbag attorney or attorney general, somebody's going to, going to, gonna you know they're gonna try to get him into prison but right. in gary's case what shocked me with his it was just he, he put his knee to restrain somebody that that's not force escalation he did what he was supposed to do i just couldn't right. believe when i first talked to him like when he told me i thought he was lying i was like dude come on really that's all you did and i was i'm being I was skeptical too yeah and then you and, see it you see well, the court I, case and you're yeah. just like I'm like, how did they prosecute yeah. him for this? I'm like, well, who did you piss off? Did you did you sleep with the attorney general's wife? What, what did you do? I mean, <laughs> exactly. I'm asking him these questions because I'm being the dickhead that I am, that Tonto, that that Tonto in the third person the area I am. I am, yeah. but I, I'm like, what in the world? And that is that's too far. The, the, there's a point where if law enforcement, if you go too far or military, you, you do a bad shoot. And I saw a lot of bad shoots when I was a contractor right. in Iraq in the Wild West days. I saw a lot of great things going on too. a lot of lies saved. But in Gary's case, it wasn't even that close. It wasn't even something. It was so far removed from just he did. He actually was at the very lower levels of force escalation. Why in the world did he go to federal prison? And that's what I couldn't understand. And that's what I was hoping uh, maybe you saw more behind the scenes that I know Gary probably, they were, knew, but he can only talk. But, they were but making why? examples of people. Okay. This is what I believe. Like even during the Bush administration, they didn't yeah. even like me. They did well, not like me. I was breaking stories all across the border. Congress was holding hearings. And Gary's I, was under Bush administration. Right. Yeah. People don't realize that. What's right. under Obama? Johnny was under, Sutton. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny Sutton, who was the uh, prosecutor in mm-hmm. the Southern District of Texas. And there was a. Uh, Deborah, Gary's gonna kill me. 
I can't remember her name right now, but she worked with Johnny Sutton and she was the one that prosecuted him under Johnny Sutton, but he worked for George Bush, Johnny Sutton, when he was the governor of Texas. And so they were all buddies. And I remember, I remember, I remember how much they didn't like me because they wanted to pass immigration reform. They wanted to do another big amnesty, another big immigration reform package. Yeah, one, one of Bush's last things that he said as president when they were asked, like, what do you regret that you couldn't do? He's like, that we couldn't pass amnesty. Well, let me tell you, he probably <laughs> hated me real bad. I was busting stories all up and down that border on the failed security, the national security implications, the lives of the people that were being lost on both sides of the border. I had actually gone into uh, Nuevo Laredo, wrote a big series of stories called um, Here We Are Prisoners. And that was coming from the people that were living in Nuevo Laredo at the time, where they were, I mean, under like war zone attacks. They still are. I mean, we're still seeing these. I just got back from Mexico City yesterday, you know, and uh, I'm talking to folks there. I mean, the cartels, control that country to a large extent they're a shadow government of mexico and it's a war zone but bush could not pass amnesty and the problem is too is like they were trying they still had to have border patrol right we still got to act like we're protecting our borders but let me tell you both republicans and democrats have always liked that cheap labor yeah do you remember what bush used to say he used to say um they're doing the jobs that Americans won't yeah. do. Yeah. Like, how racist is that? Like, <laughs> like, oh, wait a minute. Like, you know, my mom, like, oh, th- yeah, my mom came from Cuba. She did. I'm half Cuban. My mom was, you know, she did the American dream, just like any Irish person, just like anybody from any country, Korea, whatever, where you have to go to work. You can't just, you know, it doesn't matter if you work in a factory like my mom did. For a long time. And even after my dad died, my mom went back to working in a factory, right? Cause she had to feed her kids. It, it was, she was proud of it. I was proud of her. I didn't care, you know, but she isn't doing the job that Americans won't do. Dude, she is an American. She's American. I, I, she I, is I, an yeah. American and yeah. American kids and American men and women do those jobs all the time. We were lumberjacks. We mow lawns. Our kids mow lawns. We work at Taco Bell. You know, yeah. like what? What we're going to bring in a whole labor force? Like that, we need slave labor. Well, it showed. The border? It showed to me that at that and when I started to see it behind the behind the curtain, and even at that time, that they're not realist necessarily Republicans or Democrats. There's elitists, and then there's everybody else. And that's right. something that Bush, Bush. That's that's like holy shit, yo. Did he just say that? That elitist motherfucker? What did he? And my my grandfather's a picker. He came from Puebla. He lived in Puebla, Mexico. That my oh. grandmother. No, I, I I I grew up on a farm. I grew up with with the migrant workers and and you know he said I'm like, are you shitting me? So basically, he's just saying all these elitist kids don't have to work because we're going to have all these all these Mexicans come over and do the work for us. I'm like, are you shitting? That was that, and I wasn't even political at the. I, I mean, I'm still really not. But he, even then, I was like. That son of a bitch. I can't believe you just said that shit. And right. it really started. I, I don't know. Do you think what did that do? That just that comment. I think people play that comment off a lot. I mean, they don't they don't really remember it. But right. I still I still do. But they still feel that way. They still feel that way. You tell me why our border with those, and I'm so glad, Chris, that you said that, because these are the 
some of the best people in the world. Like I go down to the border and I see the suffering of some of these children. Like literally I was in Mexico city this weekend in two different shelters, human trafficking shelters, right? Where these kids, but there was a female shelter Mm -hmm. that we visited and a male shelter. And these are small children that are being trafficked by some yeah. of the most nefarious people. Guess who the biggest buyers here in the United States? It's us. Yeah. We're some of the biggest buyers of these children. And these kids have been raped. They have been harmed in ways that are unspeakable. And there are people there that are willing to try to save them, right? Yeah. But to have a government that perpetuates that yeah. not only aids and abeds the drug cartels, oh, yeah. hundreds of billions of dollars. It's like a useless fight. You know, you, they're sending intel over there, but then the cartels are making hundreds of billions of dollars, pocketing it, shipping people into the United States like they're slaves, right? Yeah. And we're sitting back going, well, wait a minute. And then we're also being targeted because now we could have people coming in that are mm-hmm. enemies, Yeah. right? It's like so messed up. And- why are we doing this? And why do we treat people like that? And you're so right, Chris, it was a racist statement. It is a racist statement. And that's why I tell everybody, you know, wake up because both the Democrats and the Republicans, except now we have some Republicans that I really, and there's some Democrats out there too, but we have some Republicans that are like, nah, we're not doing this anymore. We're going to start exposing this mess. I'm not saying that anybody can think whatever they want of President Trump. Everybody has their own opinion, right? But for the first time, and this is based on my own experience as a journalist and then as a columnist and then as, and then as an opinionist, but <laughs> with a lot of opinions, but for the first time, there was a president that actually got it, that actually got it, that said no more. I saw, I see those kids coming across the border. I have been with women that a, a woman in one instance that almost died. We found her in near the Rio Grande with her two-year-old daughter. Wow. And she was profusely bleeding out of her nose, clots of blood. She was wow. suffering. She yeah. had come across. We were just blessed to have found her and to, you know, get help to her to save her life with her child crying, you know, by her side. Yeah. But what are we doing? Yeah. Why are we aiding and abetting the drug cartels? Why? Uh, Why are we doing this? Well, you, you know, you know, it it's always comes down to one thing. It always comes down to money, regardless. And it's where I said elite. We have elitists, and then we have everybody else, and that's what we have. And you know, I, we can segue whenever you wanted to, because I do want to talk to you about Afghanistan and Iraq. Your time there, but that's what you saw. That's what I saw in Iraq. That's what I saw in Libya. That's what I saw in Yemen elitists we call them dictators no they're elitists it's the same thing somebody's in control and that's i i i don't want our country to go there but god dang it we kind of are because we, we are. have elitists that just say shit and just still perpetuate this what we have going on at the border right now well, you're I, so I you're so right i just did this dark wars border series and today i um i i did it with radio america and i didn't know if you guys got anything on that i was going to have them send you some stuff but it's a series like for my nonprofit where I take you to Central America with me. It's a podcast series. We're going to have like 10 full episodes on the border. It's called Dark Wars, the border. But I take you with me on my journey. I interview President Jamate of Guatemala. I'm on the ground with their intelligence apparatus. I talk to different people um, in the military there. 
and I expose what's going on because the border is so complex and it's not just the human trafficking and the lives that we see that are shattered and these the enormous amount of people that are 2.7 million just this year alone that we know of as far as encounters and over 1 million gotaways that should scare every American but what about the Chinese efforting us there the second episode just actually today just came out and it focuses on China but it deals with everybody who's an expert I mean this is to me these are our dark wars right I I believe that and just like you said Chris these dark wars are taking place all over the world. Yeah. And yeah. Afghanistan was definitely the worst of the tragedies right now for me too. It was just devastating. Okay. I, I want to make sure that the people do uh, check out that podcast. Cause I, I, you know, I'm going to make sure that people check out, of course, that we promote the uh, Sarah Carter show, but so this is a separate podcast. What, Correct. what would people look up? They're just going to look up Sarah Carter, dark wars or. Yeah. Dark wars the border and you could go to dark wars pod that's d-a-r-k wars w-a-r-s pod p-o-d.com and you can get everything there all the links everything the trailer uh what we're doing and uh, you know and also apple spotify wherever you get your podcast but it is it deals with all these issues that you and i have been talking about and chris and scott it's like the misinformation and lies from our own government, you know, Rand Paul said at a hearing one time, and I thought it was brilliant. And I'm not like, I'm not saying I'm just totally all libertarian. I believe we should be involved. You know, I mean, I want to stop the bad guys before they come here. But in some cases, he's right about certain things. But he said at a hearing one time, and I thought it was brilliant. He he challenged everyone and said, "Remember when they were going to build that disinformation board here?" Yeah, with the Biden I remember, I remember, remember, remember yeah, that? we talked about that. He ended up like, yeah. They're still kind of do doing it, but I think they've just changed the name of it, basically. The biggest don't have this czar, you know. Well, you can't right. say, the government can't say, well, we're going to try to make this disinformation board since we're the biggest producer of disinformation out there. That was a joke. I remember Boom. it was hilarious. That was <laughs> it. Yeah, where he just nails them. He's like, we're the biggest liars of all. So what are we going to do? Just propagandize? You know how that goes, Chris. I mean, sometimes it's for a reason. They don't want to let out some classified issue or there's something going on. But a lot of times it's just to cover their own asses. It's CYA. Propaganda. Propaganda. It's global war on terror. Saw propaganda, not just from, but I mean, mainly from the other countries where I learned what propaganda and how good it can be within Iraq, you know, within the Middle East itself and how Propaganda can control people and make them think. Right. And we can, I mean, no, it's happening. I mean, it's happening here. We've talked about yeah. what's going on with TikTok. I mean, TikTok is Chinese propaganda. Um, yeah, it's there's, sci- there's, it's psyops. It's what we do in special, yeah. it's the special operations community. It's just, that's what we do for psyops. It's unconventional warfare. And we've said on the show millions of times, I've said it so many, we are doing that to ourselves. It's just, we're not, there's nothing that we're doing new. It's unconventional warfare that special forces have been doing for years when we go into other countries to well, stop, to yeah. fight these other, fight these, fight these bad people. How do we start to win? Well, we start to turn their people against themselves. Then it makes it a hell of a lot easier for us to come in and just start, start hitting them hard. And, and I know your husband can talk about that quite a bit as well, which. Yeah, actually, and I want to get into that. Into yeah. That. Cause I was going to say that definitely sounds like a podcast that's going to you know, our audience is really going to be into. So definitely give that a listen. But yeah, getting into your husband and and his time and service, his injury, uh, I'd love to hear about all that. Because I do know just from looking at your biography, 
you met your husband prior to that happening, right? Prior to him going oh, yeah. blind. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We were we were in Afghanistan together. He'll give you his own story. You know. Where did like, you meet? Okay. He where says did you I meet chased him, him down. Um, <laughs> I did not even chase him down. That Wait, is such a lie. Where but, was it at? Now what? I got to know the cities. I know. We I know were these at, areas. We were, so at, we, were we were at Fab Ramrod. Do you no, know? Where, she, do you remember where yeah, Ramrod was? Yes. Do you remember that right in like Helmand? District yeah, yeah. Oh, right yeah, outside yeah. of Kandahar. Yeah, I, I, I was in Gecko. I worked in Gecko up on up on the hill for a lot a lot of years. So I was I, in helping Lashkar that whole province. Oh yeah, I was at almost all of those. You know, either those FOBs, Ford Operating Bases, or those little <laughs> cops combat outposts. That year, that year, I was um, heading to Maywand, and remember, we were getting hit really hard. That was 2010. Well, yeah, that, um, that's always was, a bad place. That area's never. It's always been just it's always been it's we've never been able to control the kandahar hellman that whole area is never we it's just always it's always hard it's just too much hiding places too many right argentab valley remember with argentab valley and colonel tonnell and the whole mess that was going on there so my husband was actually out in the field and i was on i just got into the base i hadn't met him yet of course and um we get these little hooches you know they're supposed to be like the vip tents yeah. but they were like these little cubicles of like wood my friend mary calvert she was a <laughs> photographer and so we're the only two women on the base uh, at this point at you know ramrod so obviously we look like amazing <laughs> <laughs> I, what was that whiskey tango foxtrot yeah, like where you yeah, could look like uh, a you could look like a 15 like in the war zone because like they get, haven't seen women in like six months or something can i can i say what we used to say this i'd say we right, would always right. say tell the me, girl, tell me. They'd come in and be like yes she's three thousand miles from looking ugly again is what we'd always say <laughs> they come in, that's it that was her it's like really dude come on take I a step back exactly no, i'm not saying that's saying. about you sir i didn't say about you but not not about that was me. one of the sayings we, it's we okay because there were sometimes i was worse for the wear man out there with you guys it was like what the hell happened to me i like was like as a transformer it was like shit i can't even shave my legs what the hell's going on here this is why women shouldn't go to war it's like we just scare ourselves right we get to a mirror like a week later and we're like screaming it's like jesus somebody put me in a shower because this is bad this is bad news but um i get there and it was uh, i remember it was late i was trying to send a story i'm out in front of this like little vip tent hooch area where like there was some like old guy in the back that was supposedly quote unquote like the agriculture guy i'm like yeah okay whatever but he's sitting in there and i'm you remember they had those BGANs, those little satellite BGANs yeah, 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 that yeah, I could yeah. hold. Like I was trying to send a story on my BGAN and it wouldn't hook up to the satellite. <laughs> so I'm standing there spinning around and then I hear someone behind me say like, hey, and I, I literally jump out of my skin because it's so dark. We had been targeted. You remember they used to just lob yeah. whatever they wanted no, I, at yeah, us. Yeah, of course. You know? control the area. We could never secure. They could do whatever they wanted. The mortars. Yeah, they could do whatever they you just wanted. Got, you just got tired. I remember I just like, I'm not running to fuck it. If it hits me, it hits in me. The I, bunker? I, yeah, I, put, I put my earplugs in if we weren't on and off and I just go to sleep. Like, well, if it hits me, it hits me. Because you can't do shit about it. I'm not running I, you to the bunker. You just gave up. And, yeah, yeah you just gave up. The bunker was like secondary thought after a mm-hmm. while. And I'm sure like, especially for you being out there all the time, like my husband, well, that's how I met my husband. He kind of scared me a little. I kind of jumped out of my skin. I said, don't ever do that to a woman. And I turn around and here's this like rook handsome guy, but with his hair in every direction, just covered 
and sweat and dirt in his gear and and just just manly, (laughs) just manly. And I'm so grateful for that because now I'm just, the woke is so just gross, (laughs) right? Like I do not want anything to do with a man in skinny jeans wearing like a, a fake bun in his head. I don't get singing. that. Yeah. That uh, does nothing for me. Nothing so, for me. So he so he had you at sweat stink balls had, ball yeah. ball sweat swamp ass hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was it. I was sold. Awesome. I was sold awesome. weapon in hand. I was sold. No, I, I actually was like who is this guy? And he was just he kept trying to be so nice. It's like oh well my friend Ari and I we just came out from the field. We were out there and we're we don't have any place. Oh, is there? Is there any more room in the VIP? He was just tent? throwing game. He was he just, just throwing. Game. <laughs> yeah, just like throwing shit everywhere, like trying to see what sticks. And I'm like, so we take. I I say no. I'm staying here at this VIP tent, but I can't get the beacon to work. I can't send my story. And I was like panicking. And he said, Oh, I'll have Ari take care of that. He's a comms guy. <laughs> and then he checks out the little VIP tent area where we're all like in our little cubicles and he's like yeah this doesn't look right this doesn't look good i don't think we're gonna stay there uh ari and ari's like yeah aren't you aren't you coming over to the tent and i look over and lo and behold my husband and ari have this massive i don't know what you guys call it tent all to themselves all to (laughs) themselves like with some food in there their cots their computers and yeah and i'm like this guy, this guy was trying to make a move on me. He did not want to stay in this little, you know, VIP, pretend VIP tent that I like oh. literally, you know, people are snoring on top of each other. So anyways, he helped me send this. He helped me send the story. Um, he kept asking me if he could take me out for coffee. Now, lo and behold, I, you know, he made coffee for me the next morning. Now he would tell you that I got all gussied up for him and put on my lip gloss and everything before I <laughs> headed to Maywan because we were getting ready to head with the soldiers there. Not true, but that's what he will say. He said, I got all dressed up for him, but we went and we had our coffee. And it, the funny thing was, I found out later that he knew we would be coming in and he had told Ari we're not going anywhere near the woman, nowhere near those women. Lies. That's the, because lies, we're going lies. nowhere near them. I don't want anything to do with them because that's trouble. Yeah. So I guess at the talk, you guys brief if reporters well, no, are coming we know, in. No, are, are you brief? No, we're looking. No, we're like, okay, let's see what she looks like here. Okay. Okay. You guys are looking. All right. Let's see. Okay. Let's see. You know what? Wow. That's okay. And and there's no, there's, there's plans that the op orders already start. You're already getting your warning order right there. And now they're starting to be op orders. Okay. And now, and it's not like a, this is all the background stuff. I didn't know anything about like, I'm just totally innocent to it going in. No, no, we, we are doing our Intel collection and yeah, there, there are guys that I'm sure he was like, all right, yep. I got it. And I guarantee he's like, you guys, I saw her first back the fuck off this one <laughs> i get first try and then obviously it works so it, it, it worked he's amazing you know and lo and behold i mean you know long story short fell madly in love with the guy after he got back from being over there he contacted me he he did tell me that i was gonna have trouble in cutter with all of my gear he's like yeah. i don't know why you're flying through cutter yeah. i go because i'm going through Aludeed, and i've been there a million times i almost got um 
whatchamacallit, they almost shipped me back to Afghanistan, actually, because they thought I was they thought I was a spy. They thought I was a spy or something. And they said I couldn't have this gear. My my visa was all screwed up and they I'm surprised they just didn't take your gear where they just usually they would just steal our shit. That's why I quit flying with so much shit because I wouldn't with the agency, the army different, but they they would just it would end up getting oh your bags got my first time i threw in iraq oh i didn't get two of my bags and i get them right. for like 60 days and when i did get them oh they've been rat fucked i didn't have any of my cool shit it, it all you know they, they it, was all gone, it was all gone right it was all gone well yeah. no uh, the air force luckily got mary and i out but yeah. we had to fly back we had to sneak <clears throat> out of Aludid. basically they had to get our passports <laughs> back and we had to run on one of those uh what do you call it? One of those flights that they take, the military takes. Those they, yeah, they're they're, hop, they're just called hops, but they're. Um, it wasn't a, it yeah. wasn't a hop. It wasn't a hop. It was the one you know they have a name for it where you can get yes. on. But we had to go through seven different countries. I remember to get back yeah, to Andrews gosh, Air I, Force Base. Yeah, the, the military. I I why am I? I'm I know, just drawing a blank right now. I hate I know that. I hate the blanks. <laughs> it makes me feel like I'm getting old. Like I do that too. I, I am like, it's about, not a commercial honestly, it's, flight. It's, it's the cool thing about podcasting though is that. You know, it's just kind of conversation you would have among friends. It's not so polished like what you see on the news. And you're part of both of those worlds. But uh, yeah, getting right. getting back to what you were well, saying. Yeah, I, I don't want to be polished. No, I don't. I no. Well, you weren't. You were all disgusting in southern <laughs> Afghanistan. And, and oh, you, you, you got polished. <laughs> yeah, you weren't polished at all. So there. You Except face. Oh, look at, her, <laughs> so look at that. Is That's it, a chihuahua. But look at her tongue. It's like they, never goes in. That's all I right. love it. She's a little, she needs a little help. <laughs> she's, got, she's got some issues. <laughs> that, I love hey, her no matter what. What, when we're, uh, yeah, you know, getting into, because I think this is, a, this is a very impressive because of after, you know, you talk about, you know, his accident or his, his attack and what happened to him. Yeah. You know, I, my wife went through a lot of shit with me, obviously. And I granted, I was very lucky as far as never being seriously, seriously injured, but just being deployed and being a spouse and then having an injury and finding out, can you talk anything about, because we do have spouses that listen. And I think we have a very big support of this podcast supports that as well. And, and how you, how you got through that initially, I, I my wife, yeah, she got through a lot of shit with me, just not knowing and then finding right. out and then like, so can you, if you, can you talk a little bit about that? Maybe offer some words of encouragement for, for those spouses or those relationships of first deploying and granted you're deploying too, really, and essentially, but then right. when you found out, you know, when the attack happened and you found out what took place, how did you grind through that? How did you continue to get through and just be positive for him, even though you're being in the special operations community, being the alpha male, we're not alpha males. We're the biggest pussies in the world. So I can't say that. Oh, I'm not supposed to say, yeah. I'm sorry. That's, <laughs> but but you, know, you getting, could totally say that. I know, I'm, I know. I'm not. I'm not PC I, offended. I, I, I know. I, I'm not PC offended. But um, how did you have? My wife has pumped me up, got me going when I couldn't get myself going, and I'm sure there were times like that. And you don't have to go into detail, but I know there were probably times. How did you keep him going? How did you get him like, hey, you get through this? Remember who the fuck you are. That's what I'm saying. Remember who yeah. the fuck you are. It you sounds like I'm a lot like your wife, you know? Yeah, she, she's a and pain in the ass too. And she wore lip gloss the first time <laughs> I met her too. I, I remember. I, remember, I, remember. Yeah. I just, I, you know, I think like when I first heard Marty was wounded and, uh, you know, and then I found out that he had lot, at that time, I didn't know, right? He was mm. in armed combat in Eastern Afghanistan. Sure, sure. And he was the one that actually called me. And what was interesting, it was right before they moved him into 
for surgery sure. and he had craniotomy. Um, Marty had, my dog is like going to chew off my finger while I'm telling this story. <laughs> I'm sorry. She's evil. She is really evil. I have to put her down. She's a chihuahua. That's why they're the she's best guard dogs ever though. Cause she they're is, always there. They know what's going on. They're alarmed. Yeah. They're in the alarm system. Awesome. Yeah, dog. She really is. She really is. She is like now. Yeah. Sometimes though, she just wants to kill me too. So I don't even understand <laughs> it because she's a little crazy. Uh, but, um, I remember getting that call and Marty saying, you know, I got dinged up a little bit and I knew I was like dinged up a little bit. Like that's like huge because I knew right then and there he was trying to lessen the blow. Yep. And as soon as, and he sounded loopy. So he was on the morphine, right? You know, he's on, he's on morphine and, and they, and they, the doctor gets on the phone and says, you know, Hey, your husband might not make it through this surgery. I just want you to know that he might not come out of this. Uh, there's a good chance that he won't. He has a ton of shrapnel and uh, he lost his right eye. Okay. We're going to try to save his left eye, you know, but there's shrapnel in the brain and we got to go in. And it was in Bagram, actually. He was yeah. invasive surgery. And um, actually, General Tony Thomas, did you know Tony Thomas? I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. I knew who he, he was. He actually I, yeah. was in Bagram. He was actually in Bagram and went to see my husband. That's at cool. that time, that was pretty cool of him to see him. But Marty went through, yeah, it was tough. You go from being like the guy that everybody would ask questions to like, hey, Marty, how do you do this? How do you do that? He's a great shooter. Sure. You know, he's an expert diver. He's a master diver. He's a, you know, a Delta guy. He's, he's so, got all these creds, street so was, cred, right? Was he, S was he, was he F SFODD? Was he Delta? Was he detachment at that time? I, I, when he no, was injured, he was, was he not, detachment? No, he was oh, not no. detachment. They, wow. you know, so um, they have rolled back Marty's cover. So he worked as a contractor afterwards. Okay. Okay. You know? So, yep. So this, um, so it was a really intense time because Marty was the first to ever be fully like long-term disability wounded wow. with, with the group. So they didn't even know how to handle that because it was either you were dead or you had, you know, smaller yeah. injuries or injuries yeah. that you could kind of work with. Marty was like, holy shit. He's wow. been blinded. Wow. Like he's never going to see again. And, uh, that, that was really tough. The, the tough part was he, he thought maybe he had a chance. They flew him, of course, you know, back to the U S we went to Walter Reed. We went through extensive, you know, rehab, but when the, when he first got to Walter Reed, we still weren't sure if he would see again or not. And, um, I remember I was telling somebody this, um, Tiffany Smiley, Scotty Smiley wrote a book called Hope Unseen and his wife, Tiffany Smiley actually ran for the Senate in Washington state. And she almost, she did really great. She almost beat Patty Murray, but Tiffany's husband also was blinded in Afghanistan, Scotty. And my husband actually knew him in Iraq when they were together before they were both oh, no blinded. No yeah. Way. Yeah. And so it's like all these weird circumstances. Well, anyways, when we got to Walter Reed, um, Marty, that's my chihuahua again. Sorry guys. That's why, <laughs> we're, good. That's why we're on a podcast. Because yeah, we're going to have interruptions, right? Yeah, don't worry about interruptions. it. But, um, but, but the thing is, is that I remember the doctor telling me at one point and coming to me and saying, um, Marty's probably, no, he said, Marty's never going to see again. Not probably. Yeah. He said, your husband will never see again. He has completely lost his eyesight. This is going to be a very traumatic moment. We sure. got to go in and we've got to let him know. 
And he said, this is not going to be easy, but we got to do it now. And he said, but Scotty Smiley, I don't know if you know who he is. I know the name. I don't, I've never. Yeah, the, the doctor said that to me. He said, I don't know if you know who he is. He had come in yesterday and he left all these books that he had just written. And he said, if anybody had been injured the way he was, he wanted to make sure that their family got his book. Wow. That's and he coincidence. Did, wow. Wow. I know. And I didn't at the moment put two and two together because I was so, and I remember I had tried getting Scotty on Fox and friends and stuff. And I contact, I put them in touch with the right people and everything when he first got wounded. Cause he was the first guy that stayed in the army blind. Like yeah. he was still yep. working wow. blind. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, remember. And, um, I remember that was a huge story. And that was a motivator for everybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I got, I got the book and I was just like, my, my heart was just breaking for Marty. You know, I wasn't even thinking about me. I was just thinking like, how is he going to take this? And he was so amazing. He was so brave. He took it and he said, well, doc, there's nothing I can change. Right. And he said, Nope. And he goes, okay. Then where do I go from here? Drive on. We go from here. Let's drive on forward. Let's keep keep moving forward. forward. The only time. And I think Marty will Probably he will probably won't mind if I say this because I know he's he loves to just tell him Tonto Tonto want to know and I pushed him to it and we'll fight we'll we'll rochambeau for it later. Yeah, exactly. We'll have we'll we'll do some fun stuff at the Uh, end. We'll have more uplifting, more uplifting. But uh I remember the one time, the only time I ever saw Marty really cry, like it really hit him. And I've never seen this man really cry. I haven't really seen him cry. He's so strong for everyone. And that's why you say me, I try to be there for him. You know, he always tells me, and I say it to him, whenever we get pissed off at each other, just like any couples, you know, we get tired of each other. We get mad. We say things we don't mean, but the one thing we go back to is like, what are the things that made us love each other? You know what I mean? We try to think of the things I always think of the things that, so even if he annoys me, which he does sometimes, and he knows that I go back to like why I love him, you know, because he is an awesome human being. And, and then he does that with me. And so we, we keep moving forward together because we love each other and we love our country and we want to do the best for our children. But I remember being in the hospital that one day is when this is so people can understand that people aren't just numbers, right? Chris, right? Mm-hmm. Scotto, yep. we're like, we're like more than that. Um, Marty's young son, Luke, you know, was, was young. He was five Wow. You know, when, wow. when Marty was blinded and Luke and I are like super close. Luke is 17 now and he's gorgeous, you know, six foot one, you know, I wow. can't believe it, you know, but I remember when Marty realized he'd never be able to play baseball with him again. Mm. Wow. Or see his face, you know, or even the older kids or like, that was like, that was like a gut wrenching moment for me too, because it's like such a huge price to pay, right? You could lose your life. That's huge. I mean, Marty still has a life and it's awesome. And, you know, Luke just got a car and we could talk about his girlfriend and I can describe everything. And, you know, but it was like the kids all of a sudden it was like, I'm not going to be able, it was when the realization hit that, oh shit, I'm never going to drive that Corvette I bought, you know, around again. I'm never going to be able to see a baseball game or, or, you know, watch my son grow up the same way or see our daughter, you know, um, we, I, I got pregnant after he was blinded with Annalise and she's 10 now and he's never really seen her face. So, you know, a lot of us live with every day, you know, we're all 
all of us, the family, your wife, me, <laughs> um, all the women who support our, you know, support our warriors, our veterans, all the men who support their warriors who are women now, you know, and the families and the children, we're all a part of this like amazing, beautiful, wonderful, broken sometimes group of people, you know, cause we've lost a lot of good friends to suicide and stuff too. Yeah, you know, we yeah. see this and we've got to be there for each other. We've got to lift each other up. And, you know, that's what I was saying. I don't want us to fall through the cracks. You know, my husband and I, we almost fell through the cracks and, you know, we found strength in each other and in our friendships, you know, and that's yeah. when people started to really come together. And so like, we have to, you know, I don't know how we deliver that message to the American people, but, you know, I remember somebody saying one time, you know, war gets, you know, oh, I'm tired of hearing about the war. And I said, well, that's easy for you to say. Yeah. I'm, you know, or, you know, you hear people in the news, well, the audience is kind of exhausted of it. <laughs> well, you know, fuck your, fuck you guys. That's yeah, what I said. When I hear you. that, like, fuck you. Yeah, you're you're right. exhausted. Fuck you. You know it's what? You it's weird though on some, it's some now? extent. Yeah. It's, it's strange to some extent though, because it, this is so personal to you and we appreciate you opening up about Thank it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sir, that, that really, it, it, the, it is, it's huge. Cause kids and I, I'm going, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll well, go. No, I was just going to say the truth is like the business that we're all in, whether it's podcasting, whether it's Fox news, any type of media, like right. we're in the business of selling people to advertisers, all of us. And if you're not selling right. people to advertisers, you're probably not doing a very good job. So it's like, yeah, you have to be cognizant of like what people are watching. And it, it like, right. we're, we're, we're honestly, I've said it before in the show, like we're to blame for some of the nonsense that we see on the news constantly. We've because become, right. if you people didn't click on it and didn't watch it, they wouldn't report on it. And if people say, well, why aren't they reporting more on Afghanistan and Iraq and the aftermath of what happened there? And if people aren't clicking on it and people aren't watching it, like we're kind of the people to blame. I agree. And we also have to, and yeah, everybody has to take responsibility for that, right? We can't just be like, even the people watching and listening, but we have to deliver the story in such a way that it's new and it makes sense to the American public, right? There is a reason why like Afghanistan should matter because you want to be able to go to the mall and shop with your kids and not worry about yeah. the next person that's going to leave a backpack that's going to blow you to smithereens well, or blow our country, you know, or come in. And I mean, it's easy to forget about that, but, you know, listening to Sarah Adams, going back to Sarah Adams, you know, and what she did was she took that story that maybe people forgot about or haven't heard in a while. And she said, well, wait a minute. It's still relevant. It's and this is relevant. why. And Isn't that crazy why. to you? I, I feel like her book coming out and other stuff coming out about Benghazi, I feel like the news media as a whole has decided Benghazi is old news, even if there's new information coming I, out. I, They're just I, like, I, the public doesn't care. You know, I, I don't get political too much anymore. I, I do. I try to, because it pisses me off. When I was there, and you know time, I mean, yeah. shit. I think you're at Fox when I, when uh -huh. Hank said, when Hank said that, um, not go ahead. When he asked me what, when, <laughs> when, when Obama said he, they caught him during a speech saying Benghazi was a conspiracy and it cut to me right quick. And it was like 6 a.m. I've been speaking. I don't know. I think it was like my eighth event. I didn't like, I'm, right. I just want to be home. And he goes, how do you feel? Well, I wanted to reach. I said, I want to reach through the TV. And I wanted to choke that. I want to say choke that son of a bitch. But I said, I wanted to choke him. 
And said, well, you shouldn't threaten a former president. I'm like, you asked me the question, what, what do you think I was going to feel? Well, why do I feel that way? Right. You, you, your husband and him talking about not being able to see his daughter. I thought back to, well, holy shit, how many years did I miss of not being able to see my son and my not get, not being at birthdays, Christmases, sacrifices. And you're asking me how I felt when he's saying what happened didn't happen or we're making it up. And I watched, I watched Tyrone and Bub die. I, I watched them get hit. I was shooting over their heads when they got hammered. And you want to ask me how I feel and you don't expect me to give you a reaction. You want me to give you this certain cookie tie. Cookie? No bullshit. And I, I, that's what people don't want to hear it. And I'll tell you why Benghazi is not getting out there anymore either. And it's because well, the administration that we have, they don't want it to come back up. They definitely don't want to come back up because it, it doesn't put them in a good light and it shows a lot of failures. And it also brings it back to where a lot of people, right. including yourself and your husband and other soldiers and warriors out there lost, not just if it wasn't physical things they lost, they lost portions of their life that they won't get back that I don't have memories of. I don't remember a lot of when my son was growing up. Right. I, of my seventh year, I don't remember because I was gone fighting for this country that I thought had my back at the time. And they don't, that's, that's not, that's not good news for this administration. That's not good news period for anybody anymore, because you know what? It makes people feel and it makes them think, and it makes them be like, you know what? Was it worth it? And if it wasn't, well, do we still have their backs? And I think a lot of us veterans outside as we watch what Ian's saying I we don't feel like they do anymore and that's hey that's fine I didn't do it for you guys to have my back my buddy's got my I get my wife has my back but does it still piss us off of course it does and I I, I think that's why we don't get a lot of play I think that's why Sarah's shit didn't get out there and Sarah right. should have because why why do we at first going to make them feel guilty because they screwed up it's going to bring up bad news for the this administration that they failed because he was vice president and people forget that the president was vice president when that was going on right complete he was culpable but also no no we, why do we want to bring that up because it puts us in a bad light and it shows us that we fucked up and we don't want to see that anymore and it also makes like your husband your 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 husband's <laughs> sacrifices. I'm sorry. And I, I'm dipping so I don't lose it as well because I'm going to start choking up here. But uh, it, 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 you can forget about what we did. You can put us on. So we're, we're no longer relevant anymore. You don't have to think about the sacrifices that people made serving this country. I, well, and go, go ahead. I, no, I, I know no, I'm no, rambling, no, but, but I, no, it really no, does no, I'm, piss no, you're not rambling. You're, you're speaking exactly how I feel. I mean, I felt like someone kicked me in the gut when I watched what was going on in Afghanistan and how they turned over everything to the Taliban. I was disgusted. I was disgusted when I went to Iraq and I had, you know, been contacted by military officials that had gone up on that mountain yeah. and said, Obama abandoned them and everyone on that mountain and every Yazidi to ISIS. He, I know. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's who people and forget about that. And abandoned them <laughs> and left them to die when yeah. he had promised that they would get anything and everything they needed if they got to that mountain and then they left them there to die. And they, and they, got and they had to fight their way to life to the yeah. top of, of Sinjar. So how do I feel when my husband, who truly, truly believes in everything this country stands for and the constitution and our founding fathers and liberty and all that great stuff that makes us so great 
but it's so fragile and it could yeah. disappear at any minute because right. we saw it. Yeah. We saw it fucking go away in COVID. Yeah. It's not like it's gonna, it's not like <laughs> I'm stretching. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. It could actually happen. Yep. How does it make me feel when they just sit around in their little kingdom up there in Washington, DC and move us around like chess pieces <laughs> and they don't give a shit? about the sacrifices and yeah. it's and, and it's too painful to look at my husband because he's blind that's too much for them to deal with like i know people i know people that are like oh we care so much about our veterans but they don't want to guide my husband around and would take him to the bathroom you know or mm-hmm. whatever marty's totally fine marty's totally fine he's an awesome dude he rebuilt our entire fucking basement blind. That's the kind of guy he is. Holy shit. That's right? impressive. So that's he could impressive. do anything. Yeah. He could, I believe he can do anything except he can't fucking see. So it's, he can't do anything, but he needs help. And everybody needs help once in a while. We all do. I need help. I need help all the time, but it's but in a different way, <laughs> in a different way. They're like, oh my gosh, Sarah. But how do I feel when we're abandoned like that? Or when someone doesn't want to walk, I say, I say what you say. Fuck, fuck you. you fuck you, fuck you. Yeah, because exactly. you know what i would throw i would put my life on the line for any of my friends and guess what i know that my real friends and my husband and my family would do the same for me that's how awesome of a life i have that i have real friends that it doesn't matter how much money we yeah. have in a bank account yeah. or if I look okay, which I never do on Fox News because Sean throws me on the border and I'm usually eating flies and no one gives me a makeup artist. Yes, I'm throwing that out there. And so I may not look as fresh as some of the other girls. You look good. I can see your lip gloss. We're going to keep going. I can see I'm just that. Kidding. I'm I just, I just, I have good. some cheap lip gloss from CVS and that's it, right? I'm not complaining, um, but I am. Um, and, and, you know, so, and then I go out there and I do my job, but you know what? It's not going to last forever. No, it's not. We lost good friends. You've lost good friends. Lost, people yeah. that I laughed with people that I thought were amazing that should be alive today. And I can't even believe that other people are alive and they're not, yeah. but you know what, but that's life, but I have a full life. I have a great life because I have friends and I have family that I love, truly love. And like a lot of the people that I know there, they don't. No, and that's they, they live a they live a shell of a life. They're they, what does my husband say? They're like a an inch deep and a mile wide. Well, that's <laughs> it. And you have a tremendous relationship too. I, a lot of that's what got me through. I have a bunch of friends, but what got me through is is my my relationship with my wife. Then right. that is something that military personnel it's tough i go you know it's tough being married to you guys a, are pain in the ass yeah we are we're, we're the biggest prima donnas in the world ba- ba- but babies but you guys are babies are but when i am sick i my wife he's the biggest whistle he is sick i don't want to be oh sick my gosh thank god it's not just me no 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 like i literally did laura ingram's show don't tell her but i had COVID. i was in my house remember we're locked down I like literally had COVID. I still went on her show. I was like sweating. I was like, sweat. I was like shaking. I thought I had like, you know, I didn't even know what was going on. I was like, I was COVID positive, but I couldn't give it to anyone. Although some people I think actually believe they could get it through you the get computer. Their like yeah. they're wearing like the quadruple masks and they've got like visors. I think Chris and I both, when we got COVID still kept doing the show. I, I got right. it. Well, actually while I was there in LA, I got COVID. Well, you're in, you're in Texas now, but in LA, 
I went to the comedy store like at New Year's Eve around when it was like popping off. Awesome. And I remember Kurt Metzger <laughs> on stage said, he was like, you know, we're all going to get COVID and people are laughing. He's like, no, we're in this like insulated space. Like one of you has it. We're... And then I came home and got oh, it. And then my mom started, my mom started yelling at me. She was like, you should have gotten the booster. And I'm like, I, I, I'm fine. Like, and sure enough, I was like hungry and tired for a couple of days and life that's went a, on. That's why I love yeah. Kansas. We don't have lockdowns here in Kansas. Fuck lockdown. I get the farmers are like, shit, I'm, I'm next to herbicide 24 seven for the last 30 years. Fuck this. <laughs> I loved living where I live. It, there was no lockdown here. I mean, when I had to go to the cities, of course, but man, but yeah, here was, it was awesome. And I got sick. I was like, fuck it. I'm sick. Okay. My wife's I'm just complaining to my wife. She's like, suck it up here. Some chicken soup. You'll be fine. And yeah, see, that's <laughs> what we did. We went through that too. I actually got, oh my gosh, I should, I should tell you guys this. So I'm going to tell you guys this. Cause you guys know who Lou Elizondo is. Yeah. No. Okay. He's a, he was head of the Pentagon's ancient program, you know, for, so I know Lou, Lou and I are friends. Right. And so I, the first time I got COVID was before the vaccines came. Right. So it was like, I, I didn't know. I mean, we had heard about COVID, but I've been traveling so much work, blah, blah, blah. So Lou calls me up and Lou's like, Oh, I've got a gift for you. I'm going to bring it down. It's this really cool thing I put together for you. And I said, Hey Lou, I just got back from Florida. I don't know. I'm not feeling so good. It's kind of weird. I don't know. And he goes, ah, oh, fuck it. Is it about COVID? Lou's going to listen to this. He's like, don't even worry about it. I think my wife and I had it last, whatever. Yeah, yeah, not worth it. Last not summer. Worth it. This was, so then um, he said, I'm coming over. So he comes over and I'm like, oh, I'm okay. I don't think it's that bad. And so Lou, he gives me a big hug. He's hanging out with me <laughs> and Marty. We're having some coffee. We're talking. He gives me this gift. We're all talking about UFOs. It's so awesome. Like that's my favorite thing, guys. That nice. is like one of my favorite things. No, we, I, got we a, love, I got a story totally. for you about that. We love paranormal. Oh, I can't wait yeah. to hear about that. Yeah. Paranormal okay. is awesome. Well, me too. Oh my gosh. Also. We should do like a paranormal special or something <laughs> like the three That'd of us. That would be cool. That would be cool. That would be so awesome. Cause I love like, I bring Lou on my show because I'm like, I know we're not alone, right? And all I have to do is look at Biden, Adam Schiff, and Nancy Pelosi to know fucking lizard people have taken Adam over Schiff. their bodies. Don't, we don't Something say, has happened. Yeah, we don't say Adam Schiff's name on this show. We can say everybody, I don't like that guy at all, period. Yeah, that he's was, horrible. Just a terrible human being, but okay, but maybe an alien. Okay. But I just, I remember I actually, I like actually gave Lou Elizondo. Good job. <laughs> Yeah, fist bump. There you go. Nice show. Outstanding. I told him. I told him, don't come over. I told him, Lou, when you hear this. Yeah, you warned him. I so warned I, him. The the UFO thing I was going to tell you that's pretty crazy is um I, I mentioned this on last week's podcast, but since you brought it up, it's just kind of interesting because you would be all over this, I think. Um, so I write for another podcast called Obscurities. Uh Debbie Rashawn voices it, who does the intro on here. And uh... we do like UFO type stories, paranormal stuff. So I'll Why watch. am I not doing that's like my favorite thing since I was a kid like exactly. okay go on yeah I it's know. cool so I write them I don't voice them um and I came across this I was watching an old unsolved mysteries that's how I'll come across some of these and there was this guy I named Dennis those. Sant yeah I love all the the original ones so I, there was this guy Dennis Sant who was former Air Force who lived in the Hudson River Valley area of New York like right around here and he encountered a UFO that there were thousands of calls about like he, he says that while this thing landed in his backyard, there were people yelling at him on the highway. They were like, get back in your house. And he's going, no, like, I want to see this. His kids are running back in the house. And he just, it, it's this amazing experience. So I, I was thinking, 
this guy lives right around me. I'll see if I could meet up with him, get an interview, you know, use it on the show. And I, I called him up. Great guy. Uh, does not come off as like a crazy UFO person comes right. across extremely credible. And I got this amazing interview out of him. And I remember I said to him, I go, it would be great to get you on battle line podcast, being that you're former uh, military. And I, yeah. I, we like to talk about everything like this. And he was like, yeah, I would love to come on. And this was a few months ago. And I was like, you know what? We have a few openings. I'm going to try to call this guy up and get him on battle line right. with Chris and myself. And I was trying to remember, I was like, what uh, branch of service was he in again? I just want to make sure I have all that right. And uh, so I Googled him just to see if it was Air Force and I'm seeing that it's right. And sure enough, man, I come across this article uh, that Dennis Sant, September 18th, passed away. Well, he's World War II. He's World War II vet. Too. No, 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 no. He's much younger. Not World War II. Well, oh, I don't Definitely know. Not World War II. Because we had a World no, no, no. War II vet that he's only He was only 75 what? when he died. Okay. He was only 75. What? Um, so... I probably got the last interview out of this guy ever. Will you send that just, to me? Yeah, yeah. It's it's up on obscurities. I remember. And, I remember. Oh, I'll go to obscurities and I'm gonna yeah, go I pull send it, it up. To, but, but it was just but, crazy. Like I interviewed him probably two or three months before, and I'm sure right. you've had this experience too, where you get a right. great interview out of someone. He was completely live. I interviewed the last Frogman, and then when I went back to go, yeah. uh, you know, wanted to connect with him again, he was a lot. He died. He had oh. passed away. Yeah, I, I've, I, I've had Pearl Harbor survivors that I've interviewed, and then a few months later, you find out the pass away. And actually, in the in the last episode that Tonto and I just posted today, that's why we say, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Like, if there's World War II veterans who ever want to come on, or Holocaust survivors, like I feel like they should be ahead of the line because right. you're, you know, Chris's youngest kid and kids of today, like they're not going to get to meet these people. And I'm so blessed that I've met probably like a dozen Holocaust survivors and probably, I don't know, around that realm of World War II survivors. And yeah, they're all dropping. And that's so important to keep their memory alive and their stories alive because we are still, we have not learned the lesson, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm with Holocaust survivors, World War II survivors, they do have to take the front of the line. They yeah. do have to be an, one of the most important documented, like historical documents has to be like directly from their mouth what they witnessed. Because only you can tell the story of where you've been, right? No one else can. They could try to piece it together. But I was like, I, I really want that story on the UFO story. But I wondered if you guys seen this. I got to look it up now. Sorry, everyone. I no, go for it. Go for it. Okay. So it I'm was. I'm glad you're going uh, along with us. I hope we're. Yeah, you know, so, I, know so you're I, don't sorry, even, I don't even care. I'm having so much fun on your show. Thank I just you. absolutely it. love it. But there was a story that just came out. Oh, Area 51 website owner rated and it's verified. His house was raided by the FBI this past week and the DOD. So yeah, so basically a Nevada man, it's, um, this was posted on an Associated Press um, who operates a website focused on Area 51. His name is, I'm probably going to say it wrong. It's like Ragnarok or something like, you know, some kind of weird, like, you know, Scandinavian name. It's like sure. Gorge. It's like Gorge Arnu or George Arnu. Uh, yeah, I know. To make fun of my ass. <laughs> I know I love that show Vikings. It's like so freaking great. Um, I'm like Ragnar. I want to go like back in those days. I, I wouldn't even mind having wooden teeth. Like every time I you know, every time I fucking see another guy with a man bun 
and a pair of like painting his nails or something. <laughs> and like with a girlfriend, like, I'm just like, someone just shoot me and just send me back to the Vikings. <laughs> just let a Viking just manhandle me. I have no idea. But <laughs> um, yeah. But then I'm like, yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, um, seriously. No, that's only in my dreams. Not really. No, I don't want that. <laughs> Anybody out there thinking they're a Viking, do not manhandle no, no, me. Not, <laughs> not in this world. Not in this world. Um, just in my weird kind of like, yeah. Uh, so let's, so there's a story and he actually is whole home like was raided and the FBI went in and the Associated Press verified it. And Lieutenant uh, Colonel, we're going to say his name because it was in the Associated Press story, Byron McGarry. He's the public affairs officer at Nullis Air Base in Las Vegas, confirmed to the AP that he was aware of the search of Arnu's properties by both the FBI and the U.S. Air Force. And so apparently they, they thought he had something that would be evidence. And Arnu says, look, I'm not a spy. I'm, you know, I have this podcast and I, you know, I, I have this website and uh, said uh, the vast majority of my members on the website support the military. And we understand the need for secrecy and keeping our country safe. So he's like, I don't know like what they were rating me for, like what they, maybe he didn't even know what he had. Yeah. yeah there's so How many people who get targeted i mean if you look up like the bob lazar story or if you've seen the bob lazar oh, documentary absolutely yeah, lazar's I mean, awesome yeah very interesting stuff and and he doesn't come across i think as a guy who was trying to be famous there's certain things to check out some things might not check out but well, some of his yeah. what was it the chemical the um the uh i remember yeah what you're talking about. it was like moscovidium something like that oh, no, but, yeah. th- but they actually found it yeah yeah and they found it certain like things he was that making... he says yeah that were there yeah. yeah yeah that were there that were actually like true so it's like look we saw what happened to president trump and anyone who was around him over the and you don't need to like him you don't even need to like him i uncovered these stories but the fbi and the doj have weaponized a lot of what yeah they've been able to do i mean what we know now is the truth we know now that the christopher Steele dossier was a bunch of bullshit yeah. so why was it all over the world like it was actual fact well that and that also goes back to something i was saying with just selling people to advertisers if people want to hear it it's going to be reported on 24 7 right. non-stop if people are going to click on it i and i mean trump and all of the if you want to say scandal or all of just the craziness yeah. around his, his, his administration was great for ratings for clickbaits yes and it was great for it was great for government officials that hate him and they just hate him and that's how washington operates and yeah. people hate him and if you're now you know that's how it works but when you think about like you know even now like with um and we'll go back to ufos because i think that's an interesting story <laughs> because it's not politics right but it's how yeah. how the governments operate but how long have people like come out they've been whistleblowers or somebody's come out and said oh my gosh i've seen something and then they they chalk it up to them being quacks to the point where like even pilots that work for legitimate yeah. airlines were, or in the military were terrified of saying anything because they were afraid that if they told the truth, that they would be ostracized to like, or relegated to like the padded cell, like, yeah, oh shit, you know, and like, it goes back to what like you're saying you about the, the UFO uh, in your backyard and you're like, oh, honey, turn around. We didn't see that. Yeah, it goes back Everybody, to what you're saying about like the disinformation grab board. Grab the tequila. And- 
Which are the two kids. It's, it's what you were saying though about the disinformation board and all that. It's like it, it's going to be a threat to just uncover this type of stuff. I love reading up on conspiracies, and some of it you you learn really holds no water. But then there's other stuff I read about, and I go, "Wow, this is kind of strange." I, I was I've, there's been times off the air I've talked to Chris about stuff I've been reading about the Oklahoma City bombing that I never knew, and right. it doesn't mean that there was there was a giant conspiracy theory, but. There's stuff that I think is worthy of reading into. And I think, yeah, when you have the government at large or these social media companies saying this is disinformation, we need to get it off the platform. We need to basically delete all of this. It, 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 I mean, it's just not good for real information it's, coming it's out like, because, yeah, eventually you're like going to uncover things that are real. Yeah. Well, it's even worse. Yeah, it's even worse. It's like we're in 1984. Like. Why should the Babylon Bee be thrown off of Twitter? Why were they thrown off of Twitter? Yeah. Project. I would Veritas. even say, and we've we've had him on, and although Elon Musk has reinstated Trump, why will he not re reinstate Alex Jones? I mean, right. I, Alex Jones should be allowed to be on there. Right, reinstate everyone. Why should the government babysit me? I have traveled the world and done more than most people have in Washington, D.C. I do not need them babysitting what I view or listen to, as long as it's not committing a crime or doing something terrible. And you're right. We're relegating people to these, you know, this woke kind of like ideology and everybody's wearing their virtue signaling badge and marching around like what, like, you know, but in a weird way, they're like, they're like the weirdest of the weird, right? It's not even like some, it's like the crazies are running the world. It's like we have set loose the insane in the insane aside. Like we put all the normal people in the padded cell and the insane are running everything. And I can't figure it out. And then, but it makes sense, right? Because they are, we're watching a shift from a nation where we used to celebrate individualism. We used to celebrate the fact that people had their own mindset to a nation that's run by fear, controlling. Yeah you know, uh, a fascist state. You want to talk about fascism? Donald Trump's, don't even worry about that. Yeah. That's not fascism. That's just somebody that likes to talk a lot, right? Get on Twitter and like create problems. <laughs> That's not fascism. Fascism's like, you know, the guys that were running Twitter before and, you know, and, uh, and Jeff Bezos, who was making hand over fist money, by the way, at the same time. And, I, you know, I love Amazon. I'm not saying I'm against innovation and Amazon. Hey, Alexa, send me a box of Kleenex Shit, it's at my door, right? I've got diapers. I've got Kleenex, whatever you need. You're going to get it out of your door, right? So um, people are happy about some of this innovation. Me too. But all of a sudden, you've got Jeff Bezos pushing and pushing for more lockdowns. Yeah, we got to we gotta have lockdowns. Yeah. yeah COVID's yeah. going all over the planet. It's like, it's killing everybody. <laughs> all he's like making like buku bucks. He's like, holy shit, my stock's through the roof. I'm the richest man in the world. Yeah. And, and I mean, this is not and something the government we're typically is doing it. The government yeah. is doing it. I would even say, and this is not typically like what we get into in the podcast, and we'll wrap things up on here because we're, we're, we're going long, but uh, one thing I'd, I could even point to, right, is just the silencing of people who have different opinions in terms of right. things that are profiting both the government and big corporations. I, I mentioned this because we're going to have Kristen back back on the podcast, but the fact that like pharmaceutical companies working with the government are pushing transgenderism onto children, and then you have someone right. like Kristen Beck 
who was a Navy SEAL who did transition from being a male to female, was put on the female hormones, was one of the most famous transgender people out there and comes on the podcast and says, this was the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life. Psychiatrists and therapists basically brainwashed me into doing this to myself. Manipulation is to manipulate. And and Kristen Beck had a megaphone when Kristen Beck was out there and had the documentary for Lady Valor and was saying, like, we need to have this. We need to have transgender people in the military. And now that Kristen Beck has basically done a complete 180, you're really not hearing from Kristen other than on podcasts like ours and Joe Rogan. And I do think that has something to do with the pharmaceutical companies making money off of us. So I completely agree where you're going with Amazon. And this is a little bit more political than where we usually go. But it ties into people we've had on the show from the Yeah, and I'm not trying to be political because, like I said, I love the innovation. I love Amazon. I love the fact that, you know, I'm excited about Elon Musk having Twitter. I think we need platforms where we can communicate. But they they have to be honest about where they started. It was supposed to be a platform where everybody could share ideas. You just couldn't commit crimes, right? But you could share ideas. And we don't need people to babysit us. We're like, you know, it's not political, but you're a podcaster. You don't want people telling you like how you should, if you're not committing a crime, if you're not pushing something that's dangerous for, you know, and I'm talking about dangerous, like telling kids to, you know, do stuff or whatever, but you're just a good human being with ideas that should be okay. Ideas. I I worry about, you know, early on, we had Alex Jones on the show because Chris has been on Infowars and I do worry about having him back on the show. Not even necessarily because of what he's going to say, but I'm just like, these big platforms could just shut down our podcast immediately. Who's to say and they, they wouldn't? They've done and it they, and they will, and they yeah. will, and they'll destroy. They go after, and that's what that's how they that's how they're that's their power, right? Because the power is like, okay, you're gonna shut me up, just like I'm not gonna take that risk because I love what I do and I I want to win the war, not just this one battle. But what if I, you know, when is the time to stand on that hill, right? When is the time to go away from the small battles to go to the war, right? And that's scary because none of us know when that is. I mean, the same thing with me. Everybody has, you know, I, I asked, and I'll, I'll let you wrap it up because I know you guys probably want to go. I could talk to you guys forever. A but, weekend too. I mean, I know you're a busy woman, I know, so. I know. It's okay. I, you know, but like, <laughs> even like with Lou Elizondo, look how scary that, you know, Chris Mellon and him came out. Um, who knows, maybe the government was behind it too and saying, maybe this is a time for disclosure. Maybe people made that decision and it's a slow process. But when it comes to even with you know the UFOs and the reason why I bring that up is because we saw both sides of that, right? Where people were ostracized for talking about it or every time it was on the news, you'd have a news anchor laughing about it. Oh, yeah. today, somebody <laughs> in New York saw a UFO <laughs> You know that stupid smirky face people get yeah. like as news anchors and they give that little giggle and the little head shrug <laughs> like, and then they throw it as like, it's a throwaway. Dude, that would be the biggest revelation in human history that we are not alone, that we are not alone. And people in the military the USS Nimitz, all of the evidence that the U.S. government has released already. You know, people are talking about it seriously now, but very narrowly, right? We don't know what we're seeing. We don't know what we're looking at. And they're probably right. But just being able to have that conversation is important, is important. 
because what it tells me when people laugh about stuff like that, or they put down other people's ideas, or they don't listen to other human beings, or they think they know everything means they don't know shit. Shit. (laughs) It just means they don't know shit. And they are trying to control my way of thinking, my conversation, and it's unacceptable. I have to throw something out there, and I, I, I'm sorry if I'm filibustering from Tonto, but what you're no, saying no, okay, reminds me of, did you see that clip that went viral of uh, Mika from MSNBC when they were talking about Elon Musk buying Twitter, and she flat out says, Elon Musk is a threat because he's going to be controlling what people think, and that's our job to do. And that clip is all over. That I mean, these people on MSNBC saying, it's our job to control what people think. And it's like, when you listen to our podcast, I... I disagree with Chris all the time. Chris disagrees with me. I mean, we will disagree with guests and people could listen and think we're right or we're wrong, but I never want to like control this audience. Listen. And if you take something out of it, that's great. I have, I have no interest in like controlling what people think and and how they feel about things. We have people on with lived experience and they're going to tell their story. And if you don't like it, that's, that's fine. Or you have a different point of view. That's fine. Like, I just think, yeah, there is a threat with these people when you see someone like that saying, we should be able to control what people think. Where the news media, that's a problem. Right. Like Micah just let, it was a Freudian slip. Like Micah and Joe Scarborough, like they're, like I picture like they get a debriefing, right? Like all these people that have like been so on board with like, they all come up with the exact same statements at the exact same time, yeah. whether it's the right or the left. It's like they sent out a press release to them. Yep. Like, hey, everybody, today we're going to talk about this. Elon Musk. He is a threat. <laughs> Elon Musk, who like spends all of his time, like, you know, gaming, like, ideas <laughs> in his head, like, and apparently to get impregnating to Mars. lots of women. He's Impre- into that ha- having sex, you know, with all these gorgeous women. Like, he's the envy of like all these men. Like, he's just like the guy with Asperger's who doesn't give a shit. He's like, Yeah, I just had sex with a supermodel. <laughs> And she's pregnant (laughs) and I can afford it (laughs) and I can afford it. It doesn't matter. matter. Look at my beautiful children. They're like supermodel children. You know, I mean, he's like got all these gorgeous kids like around him and he's just like, we've got to populate the world people. It's underpopulation. (laughs) Like he goes against every, like he knows what he's like. He's a genius. He is like, uh, he's like the Leonardo da Vinci of our lifetime, in my opinion. Right. He's like the guy that like games on the side and says, oh, shit, I just came up with a way to get to like the next universe or I can fold time and space like he wakes up in the middle of the night and like a new (laughs) idea comes out of him. And instead of being like amazed by like this man who is like pretty incredible, like they're targeting him. Oh, yeah. Because they are not lock and step like some kind of strange you know, 1984 movie with a memory hole, like Elon doesn't agree with our memory hole, Micah. Yeah, or or we the fact throw, that there's there's no bigger memory hole. There's there's no bigger name <laughs> of someone in alternative energy, right? And he's out there saying, like, right. I, I run Tesla and this is not sustainable right now. We need to drill for oil, but they don't want to listen. They don't listen to it. Yeah. yeah they don't want to care. No, they don't want to care. And that's the thing. He's like so innovative and he's saying, look. I want to be able to come with alternative energies. I want cool shit that can get our like ships in, you know, yeah. to, to go to Mars and in record time so that people can actually be like still young when they reach there. <laughs> so we could actually like, they could actually be like young enough to like cultivate the soil on Mars. I have no idea what they're going to do there, but 
that we can, you know, he is like what we, what we are as humans, right? We don't, I mean, I, I think about this, like with everybody just freaking out over COVID, right? I get it. I get it. People, even our friend Gary, he almost died from it. You know what yeah. I mean? But the thing was, was I go back to like how freaked out everyone was. I mean, there's been diseases since the beginning of time, yeah. right? We have seen people die. We've seen the bird flu. We've seen, you know, people, 107,000 people died of overdoses just, you know, like last year of opioid overdoses, 60% from fentanyl. I would be scared of being poisoned. You know what I mean? If you're taking a pill out there. But the thing is, is that it's so bizarre to me. It's so bizarre to me that here's, you know, what makes our nation so great is that we're challenging everything, right? We, are, we, we challenge life. We are willing to put our own lives back here to advance human civilization. And that's life. That's living. That's like, wow, I, I'm taking risks. It's, it's not easy. I might lose my life. I'm a Viking, you know, I'm Ragnar and, you know, <laughs> Gertha and whatever, you know, and I'm on my big ship and I'm sailing out into an unknown sea where I heard big monsters live and maybe I'll run into land or maybe I'll fall off the edge <laughs> of the earth, but what the fuck, you know, I'm going to do it. It's amazing. That's who we are. That's what makes being a human so phenomenal, right? Like that we can take these risks and we still do it. And we still fight for our family, fight for our country, fight for innovation, fight for advancement. You have a guy like Elon Musk, you know, and others, you know, Albert Einstein's or, you know, people with, with knowledge beyond our, even our understanding that are doing what is best for humanity. And it's like, we have a whole group of like, upside down world people who are like, they are not agreeing with us. We must get rid of them <laughs> and his career. Now it's like, wow, he may be the, he may one day be the reason human beings continue to exist. I mean, we don't, we're on a little freaking ball. You guys, do you ever think about like, I, I really do think about this sometimes. Like I'm on a little ball in the middle of a vastness of space with like a lot of asteroids and shit flying all around and, <laughs> You know, and I'm watching those like those movies where it's like the end of the world. And yes, Armageddon. Yes, maybe. But Bruce, but, but Bruce won't be there to save us. <laughs> he will not be there to blow up the asteroid. Right. But you have someone like Elon Musk. And instead of praising this guy, you know, they've gone after him because he's a First Amendment guy. And he believes that, you know, that we all have a right to be thinkers and to explore. And I don't think it has anything to do with politics. Look, if you're not threatened by the guy, why are they freaking out over him? I'm, I'm freaking out over Kim Jong-il. That kid's like out of his mind. Kim Jong-un like, at this point. Oh yeah, Kim Jong-un, sorry. Kim Jong-il was his father. But Kim Jong-un is like, you know, shooting off. He just shot off some missiles. They landed right off the coast of Japan. We've got, you know, uh, Vladimir Putin, you know, marching all around you know, uh, starting war with Ukraine and doing crazy shit all over the globe. We've got Biden going, <laughs> you know. And then we've got the Chinese leader who oh. has banned Winnie the Pooh because people yeah. make fun of that he looks like him. Yeah, President <laughs> Xi Jinping, he's like, don't you think there should be like an island for dictators, like a little <laughs> island of, like a like an old folks home for dictators? I always thought that would make a <laughs> great would TV cool. show. 
<laughs> you know, like an old folks home for dictators. Like that's going to be the craziest shit. That ever. would be a hell of a reality show. around the show. table, right? Yeah, kind of like the, the, the old MTV where they all live in the same house. What was it? Oh, River? that would be so, so great. That's Real, what we should do with them. We just put them all in one little island and just fucking watch them. <laughs> watch watch them just shoot each other up or whatever. Watch or the shit show. I, yeah, yeah I, I, this I, I've said it on the show. I, I, the stuff you see with the information control, if that's one thing our government learned from us going and fighting in a lot of these countries with dictators, is that how they control the populace? It, it was it was violence. It got to that. But initially it's and when you're over in these places, when you're not living on an army base where you don't have AFN and you can watch local TV, which is we did a lot. I just sit there and even though I don't know what the right. hell they're saying a lot, that is that's that's uh, that is how they controlled their populace initially was the information control and how people are not seeing that how it's being done here i know your husband sees it i know he sees it like shit i remember that when saddam when you know, that's why we went to iraq i remember the yeah, iraq was like that i remember even the taliban controlling the information for afghanistan Gaddafi and, and i remember and us doing it i remember, us I, remember doing I remember us doing that right now that's why i said right to me but now like, we're yeah. doing it against ourselves ourselves which is so freaking weird we're like weaponizing everything and we're yeah. weaponizing against our own people that's it wasn't exactly supposed to right. be that it wasn't exactly. so look at the chart. do you think xi jinping how convenient covid lockdowns are for him covid's oh, real They're all, covid's yeah. real but he's like Oh shit. Mm. He does these massive zero yeah. tolerance lockdowns where like uprisings in Hong Kong or even uprisings in Beijing or out in the outskirts of the provinces, you know, <laughs> Hey, oh, I've hey. got to lock everybody down. Exactly. exactly. Don't COVID. Die, COVID. But people are fucking jumping out of buildings to their death. They're like getting like sealed in their apartments and they're like trying to send videos out of China. And do we not even this is what I don't get. I mean, how does that not like wake us up to the point where we're like, okay, look, we all want to do the reasonable thing for everybody. We don't want to kill our grandparents. We don't, we don't want to kill our friends. We don't stop propagandizing everything, but we also are individuals with freedom and Liberty, by the way, to make our own choices with our own bodies. And that was guaranteed to us after world war II. Yeah. And, and even, well, by the way, yeah, it was, it was because yeah. people didn't have that choice before they saw what was happening in Europe. They saw what was happening in Germany. Yeah. That was a guarantee under Nuremberg that we would never again, it would never be a global situation where we would all just be like lockstep. Okay. For the good of the whole. And now it's like, we want, we want that. It's like many of the country want that lockstep. Now. They, want, they it. want They want somebody else to, they want the daddy, the daddy government to tell the them. The daddy. What to, are they going to give it, you a dude? spanking. No, no, don't you. They're like, <laughs> they just want to be abused by daddy. It, I'm it, like, it, so non-PC. You're going to have to cut that out. No, that, no, no, no I'm going to tell you. Cut just, you say, I said, I said, just, just, yeah, just, I'll just say, voice. yes. Yeah. Just put it in your, no, I don't care. You, you can keep that in. I'm not, I'm just joking. I would, I would be doing it for you. I'll probably, I'll, they'll probably be like at Fox. Like, did you hear Sarah say that? She said, yeah. That, and that's, the, I was going to spank, spank <laughs> me now, spank <laughs> me now, daddy. Like I'm just talking about the whole crazy government. I'm just talking about the government and pe people wanting to get spanked by it. They, like yeah. it's like they literally do. I mean, that's that literally. It's embarrassing. Just, yes, it's it is. totally embarrassing. I'm like, no, I just want again. I want to be a Viking. Every time I hear that, I just want to get in a ship. But like, I might have to just jump on one of Elon Musk's like ships to space because like I think we've already, I think we've already like figured out the ocean right now. Like I think for the most part, yeah. for the most part. <laughs> 
this this was great and i I was just going to say to sum things up there as you were saying with the fox news thing like i think what we've learned from this podcast is like sarah carter is the opposite of what you think of like the person in news media who has to be so stiff at all times like it's great to just have you on to be yourself and have these conversations about everything from afghanistan to your husband to ufos yeah. like and i think that's what that's and, the great thing about podcasts and sir i do so. want to thank you for opening up about your husband that, i mean I, I i know i get it i get the emotion and thank you because i know that's it's hard to do so thank you for doing that and um well i hope we all get to that. meet in person sometime i thank you for you know for being such a- great anytime. guys for being such great guys and putting up with me i i know <laughs> i'm just like everywhere i took you guys everywhere from yeah, like that's the, great though that's, that was I mean, awesome yeah to me that's that is why podcasting is as big as it is because it on news media which you're in both of these worlds everything has to be you got to make your point in like two quick, minutes quick, probably quick, less quick. Right, right and and it's hard to really expand on things when when that's the format so i think the cool thing with podcasting is yeah people are going to get something out of these two hours and hopefully be inspired by you and the story of your husband and and also just your story coming up in in news media and and, and also to see and also to see that you're batshit crazy, which is awesome. I Love am, it. which That's is awesome. just yeah, it's, it's just awesome. part. Yeah, I just I should I get a little bat tattoo on my back? <laughs> now that we know, that's her call sign. Her call sign just came to her. Yeah, the call sign bat. is like Harry Potter's wand. The wand picks you. Your call sign picks oh you. You're gosh. called bat. Bat. Or we'll just call you. We can call you BSC for batshit crazy, but we'll just <laughs> go bat. bat. We'll just go bat for that's that's Sarah. I like bat. Sarah Bat Carter. There it is. Sarah right Bat there. Carter. That's Thank you. That is an awesome call sign. But that we, is an I, awesome call sign. I awesome. could just speaking for me, I would come by, you know, anytime if if we do get that chance to meet in person with Gary, with your husband, it would be awesome. Your husband would, would be a great that. guest as well. Yeah, I'd love to have so. your we would definitely love to have your husband on if he's if he's game. Love to have okay, him. Okay, I'll let him know. I'm sure he can now. He can talk now. So that would be good. I, You'd like I, him. You'd love him. You'd uh, love him. I but I think we need to get together like in person and like do shots and then talk. We we do need to do like a podcast drunk like a, podcast like, show. like a drunk podcast show like a, a little bit of a drinking podcast show. maybe it's not totally dr- drunk yeah, you don't want to be throwing up on the podcast like you know what i mean he's like uh, totally wasted like Arr. that that could get some views though i don't know it could thrown up on each other this, uh, <laughs> we'll have to do it at some point but uh w- once again for the audience i do have to throw out there sarah a carter.com podcast is available on all platforms as well as the other podcasts that we mentioned at Sarah Carter DC on Twitter. Sarah has a massive Twitter following, mm-hmm. 1.5 million. And that's why we really appreciated you helping. Yeah, to get thank you. About there. Thank you. Um, oh, and at, at S Carter DC on Instagram. So, and, yeah, and I guess, the Dark uh, Horse. Dark, Dark Horse, Horse, Horse. Dark Horse podcast. Yeah. yeah. So, any last things you want to say there? I mean, like I said, I think that this is going to be inspiring to anybody. I think so many people listening are probably going through trying times right now, whether it's with family, whether it's with, just other situations, the economy right now. And I think hearing the story of you sticking by your husband, even after going blind is going to inspire it's people. Amazing. So really appreciate it. Any, anytime. Look, I believe we're going to get through this. I believe we're awesome nation. And, yeah. you know, we're right now we're going through some growing pains and I know that some people aren't talking to their friends now and everybody's been politically divided and, you know, there's been a lot of, lot of issues, not just politics, COVID, everything. You know, I think we've been challenged with a lot, but we are the greatest nation on earth Yeah, and we got to get back to where we used to be. We got to be able to talk to one another. We've got to be able to communicate with one another. We're not always going to agree and that's okay. 
And that's okay. Let's just get back to that point. Too many people have spilled their blood for this country. Too many people have like Chris, like all all of you, the work you're doing, Scott, the podcast, everything. We're all doing this because we love our nation and we want to save it. So I just want all of us to get back to a point where we can talk to one another. We can learn that we're probably not going to agree on everything, but maybe we can find some common ground and move forward because we got a lot of bad guys out there that all they're thinking about, they're just licking their chops right now. And they want to see us over. They are happy with our divisions and they want this country to end. And I don't want to give them that opportunity. We're we're the last country that has the ability to talk and to say things and without having the government literally come down and take us out of the house and and kill us, literally. Right. Literally. So, and I think people realize that. I don't, and I wish, wish, I wish more would have served. I wish more would have gone and experienced that. And and you know, have some less with our our Afghan Afghani interpreters that I'm still trying to get out. That a couple, I don't know if they're still alive anymore because they're getting rounded up. We're lucky to live in the greatest country in the world, and I don't have people take it for granted, and they need to stop. Definitely need to stop doing that. That's all for this episode of the Battle Line Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never, never quit. quit.